Well, if we go back to 1971 in Portland, Oregon, a well-dressed man boarded a plane bound for Seattle, Washington. While in flight, he contacted the flight attendant, handed her a note that said, I have a bomb, I'm hijacking the plane. And that started the story of D.B. Cooper. From there, they landed in Seattle where he took on $200,000 in a dark, rainy night. They took off from Seattle, and somewhere in the night, he lowered the rear stairs and jumped out with parachutes, never to be seen again. Welcome to the Conspiracy Therapy Podcast with Ryan Larry, spring Josh Boing, and the Luma Mommy herself, Miss April. And on today's episode, ladies and gentlemen, boys and germs, the mysterious disappearance of D.B. Cooper. We are knee-deep in some Halloween festivities, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We're here in the Shoop Kitchen, as always, gathered around the Shoop Kitchen table mm-hmm. to talk a mysterious disappearance, which is always fun. I like this. This, is, this uh, came from our girl, April. She was like, hey, you guys ever done this? And usually it's us, it's us throwing shade and shit back and forth. And then April occasionally will step her foot in and we're like, huh? Well, this was actually kind of interesting. Um, I drive for Uber and uh, in your Uber profile, um, you can write like a fun fact about me. Yeah. And I, I do that a lot. Um, and one of my passengers that I had picked up had read my bio and she, had, she said like, oh, you do you do podcasts? Because I, I have that listed. That, that's like my one of my things that I do outside of Uber. And she was curious as to what my podcasts were. So I was telling her about them and she was super into conspiracies. And she goes, oh, have you ever done D.B. Cooper? And that was one that we had sort of tossed around a while ago. Yeah, Um, I think you meant the thing is, it's hard to remember things when you just go by names. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if it's like the mysterious disappearance, then it's like, oh, yeah, oh, baby. What's this entail? Yeah. I'm down. But then like you say, somebody dirty talk. Walter Matthau. You're like, what? The actor? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Just get confused. Been married. Now it's the mysterious disappearance of blowjobs. No, those don't disappear. (laughs) Not when you're, when you're not married. That's just a fun fact. Red Dead 2018. Okay. So let's pull the Thunderbird to the side of the road with a little truth corner action. Um, 
Let's see. <laughs> what do I say? Okay. Figuratively, <laughs> you're on a plane. You're like, these fucking peanuts are expensive. What happened to air travel? I'm sitting on this guy's lap, basically. Mm-hmm. Go on. And then all of a sudden, you hear a noise. There's a mess in my pants. And somebody jumps out the back of the plane. <laughs> how, on a scale from one to ten, what would, how scared would you be? What would your reaction be? You're on a, you're on a red eye flying. So we're talking someone has opened up the hatch. Yes. Yeah, what's a ten? Okay. Larry went first. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a shorts cleaner. Oh, Spackle, just some yeah, some rando just opens up the hatch and <laughs> out he goes. <laughs> I just imagine like Grover jumping out the back with that right. noise. Oh no, Elmo! Near? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah! That's when Muppets scare. That's when Muppets scream when they're about to die. Yep. As he's jumping, you see he has a handful of signs like. The old wily e. coyotes, like, oh no, I'm still falling. Uh, Must have, yeah, forgot my parachute. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, so Larry says ten. Josh, you're on a plane. Ten. Yeah. Just based on that. Yeah. There doesn't need to be a hatch open. I'm, I'm on a plane. It's going to be a ten. I just think the idea, even if like somebody just because you're on, a, it's like the safest mode of transportation. I, I know. He's, he's so terrified of heights. But. Plane rides are actually really calming. Yeah. We go to the mall and we're on the second level of the Mm -hmm. mall where you can like look down to the floor below and he won't even go by the banister because he's that afraid of heights. You need to take him to that. uh, And I can't, I don't know. Forgive me, Asian listeners. I don't know which, if it was Chinese or Japanese, but they have this glass bridge Mm -hmm. and has an effect where it makes it looks like it's cracking under your weight. Yeah. Well, they have um, in Wisconsin. (laughs) I I forget what it is. No, that's the real weight of Wisconsin's on the uh, glass bridge. Yep. Hey, Uh, we like. Oh, shit. I had that ranch there. (laughs) Oh, boy. These guards are really setting in. But they did say deep fried ranch and you can't say no to that. No, no, no. Pass the uh, Molson there. eh? I need something to dip it in, though. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't ranch. It, is it the Sears Tower or whatever it's named now, the Liberty you d- Tower? You dip that- ranch in ranch. Mm-hmm. No, that's what we do there. <laughs> you deep fry your ranch and then you dip it in ranch. Of course. I don't see a problem. Good Lord. Sorry. Uh, Cleaning you out. Yeah, thank you. I, I believe it's I, the Sears Tower where they have on the top floor, you could step out on that one mm-hmm. little thing and it mm-hmm. like tips it over. Leans you forward. Yeah. yeah. You couldn't. Josh would yeah. die. He would have a heart attack and die. But. Going back to the subject at hand, uh, if I was in a plane and the somebody opened the hatch, I know that it's pressurized for a reason, mm-hmm. and so yeah, that would immediately set me off, and so it's an easy easy ten. April, I would have to say, like immediate reaction would be maybe like a seven, just because it would be confusion more than it would be mm-hmm. fear of like, oh huh, what. What's going on? But yeah, it's actually yeah. somebody's <laughs> destroying the bathroom <laughs> yeah. right now. Well, Stewardess gets sucked right out. Because essentially, <laughs> just goes flipping <laughs> through the. Oh, there goes the lady. I was supposed to bring me my bourbon. Damn it! Oh, damn it! I don't know. Because yeah, essentially, opening a hatch of an airplane is like opening a is like shooting a hole in a ship. It's like a reverse vacuum. Yeah, everybody's going to have to be clinging on mm-hmm. to things yep. at that point. And knowing Asher, our youngest, he would be wanting to run towards it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. You'd have to strong arm that little guy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say I would go with a 10 on the initial reaction. But if they could, if I'm imagining with like modern planes, you could just reshut the door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even if somebody jumped out, they'd 
somebody could pilot probably... comes out with a little key button. Yeah, he's like doing it's like a, a minivan. Like, he just fits the button. Yeah. Beep, beep. <laughs> it's just weird to me to think of like all the older planes that you could like open the windows, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which obviously you couldn't do now at thirty thousand feet. Everybody'd right. be like, "Fuck me!" It's what? a little stuffy in here. Can someone crack a window? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, ranch. You know, you got somebody, some guy. Gives you the farts. Some guy stopped off in Indianapolis and got himself a big hot steaming bag of McDonald's, and now the whole cabin smells like Big Mac. Oh boy. <laughs> well, now you know what it, what what our reaction would be if that happened. Hey guys, does anybody else want McNuggets or mm. Mm. Nuggets? McNuggets and sweet and sour sauce. Favorite dip sauce? Barbecue. Barbecue. I'm gonna go with sweet and sour. That must be a family thing. It is are, good. Are we talking specifically for nuggets? Yeah. Honey. Oh, that is a good one too. Mm-hmm. I like that. Very underrated. Yes. The hot and crunchy great. meets the sweet mm-hmm. and tangy. Yeah. Mm. It's it's an experience. <laughs> We're doing good work for McDonald's here, folks. Yeah, <laughs> but those McNuggets are brought to you by Justin Timberlake. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Hey, what, where's the beat? One of my favorite new segments. I guess it's kind of new. It's season two new, which season okay. two has had quite the amount of stuff. If you look at it, go back to their best of season one and you can count all those episodes. So in order to take us back to 1971 we need to open up Larry's time capsule now it's time for us to open up the time capsule as per usual we start out with music that's right 1971 music March 1st the lineup for Queen is completed when bassist John Deacon joins the band. Heavily underrated bass player. July 3rd, Jim Morrison is found dead in a bathtub in Paris, France, age 27. Oops. Now get this, Ryan. Get your notebook out. Aileen Rone would claim years later that he assisted Morrison's lover, Pamela Corson, in covering up the circumstances. Oh, a future death spiracy. Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. And we'll interview the bathtub. July 9th, Grand Funk Railroad becomes only the second band after the Beatles to perform a sold-out concert at Shea Stadium, breaking the Beatles' record of selling out the venue. Grand Funk Railroad. Where is Shea Stadium? New York. New Jersey, New York. Oh, okay. Used to be. Hmm. They don't play there anymore. The Who... On August 14th, released their fifth studio album, Who's Next? Reaching number one in the UK and number one in the United States. That's my favorite Who's album. It's awesome. Bob O'Reilly's the first track. Oh, Oh. keyboard work. Mm. Yeah. Ah, yes. October 29th, Allman Brothers band guitarist Dwayne Allman dies in a motorcycle accident in Macon, Georgia. After colliding with a truck, after realizing he was in Macon, Georgia. (laughs) November 8th, Led Zeppelin (laughs) releases official... Untitled fourth studio album, which would become the biggest selling album of the year of 1972, the band's biggest selling album, and the fourth best selling album of all time. Wow. December 4th, Montreux Casino in Montreux, Switzerland catches fire and burns during a performance by Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention when a fan fires a flare gun into the rafters. <laughs> Members of Deep Purple, who were due to begin recording at the casino the next day, watch the scene and come up with the song Smoke on the Water. 
December 10th, Frank Zappa breaks his leg after being pushed off the stage by a deranged fan at the Rainbow in London. Did you guys see the video footage of Shaggy Too Dope? Yes, 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 yes. yes. He tries to kick. Yes, I was getting it. Okay. <laughs> yes, he tries to drop kick the lead singer Lip Biscuit off the stage, failing completely, by the way. It is the funniest video I've seen in weeks <laughs> because it looks like he stops in the middle of the, the- air and just like. It's drops. Like, yeah, it's clearly like, it's like there's a force field that stopped. Well, him. clearly, uh, God, what's his name? Fred Durst. Fred Durst. Fred Durst must be a solid dude because he, he just kind of went like that, turned around, went. <laughs> yeah, like he didn't even really do anything about it no. afterwards. No. Fred he's, Durst has always been a solid guy, though. Yeah. To be fair to Fred Durst, he's been shit on constantly for mm-hmm. years. The guy knows his band's a gimmick, and he plays it up. And his mm-hmm. last, their People last album is really well produced. Yeah. No, no, no hate here. No hate here. Come on the show, Fred. Uh, December 10th. Uh, wait, that was the, yeah. Frank Zappa raking his like. Also on December 10th, Rick Springfield leaves Zoot for a solo career. Mm. The Beach Boys musician Daryl Dragon and singer Tony Tennille meet and begin to perform together as Captain and Tennille. Oh. <laughs> oh. Some births if you want to feel old. Oh, boy. January 11th, Mary J. Blige is born. January, oh, also Tom Rollins of the Chemical Brothers. Love that band. January 17th, Kid Rock. January 18th, Jonathan Davis of Corn. January 20th, Questlove of The Roots. January 27th, Lil John. Oh, yeah. February 2nd, Ben Mize of Counting Crows. February 26th, Erica Badu. Oh. February 27th, Rosanda Chili Thomas of TLC is born. Chili. March 10th, great producer Timbaland. Yeah. April 1st, Method Man of the Wu-Tang Clan. What? April 20th, Mikey Welsh of the basis of Weezer. Mm-hmm. May 6th, Chris Schif- Schifflet of the Foo Fighters. May 27th, Left Eye Lopez of TLC. Rest in peace. June 5th, Mark Wahlberg. Marky Mark mm-hmm. and his funky bunch. No way, bro. June 6th. I was born that year? June oh. 16th, Tupac Shakur, rest in peace. R.I.P. Actually, I want to say rest in peace for Mikey Welsh as well. Committed suicide in the 2000s. Well, it wasn't cool enough for me. <laughs> I, he was. Only, I, I didn't catch that. So he, He's too cool for school. He was only on the Green Album, so a lot of people don't okay. really care. June 18th, Nathan Morris, American singer of Boys to Men. June 20th, Jordy White. Who's the bass player for Marilyn Manson, Nine Inch Nails, Perfect Circle, Goon Moon, and The Desert Sessions. July 1st, Missy Elliott. Oh my God, what is going on? This is putting me to sleep. All right, there we go. Uh, uh, July 4th, Andy Cregan of the Bare Naked Ladies. August 18th, Richard D. James, a.k.a. Aphex Twin. August 20th. Oh, his new album is amazing. I've heard good things. Yeah. Uh, Apex Twin has been making electronic music since he was seven years old. He was put on an really? album. Yes, he put out an album at the age of seven. That's crazy. Whoa. Yeah, he's a prodigy. Wow, I I've, I know the name, but I've never. There's a reason that he's so old. Yeah, like seven. no one can recreate his stuff. It's mm-hmm. a, it's amazing. He's like a computer programmer too, so like no one knows how he makes his music. Nice. <sighs> yes, August twentieth, Fred Durst. Cheer. Happy birthday. September 6th, Dolores Ryden. The Italian. Of the Cranberries. R.I.P. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. Yeah, that was This sad. year. Uh, October 2nd, Tiffany. Of malls. Malls of around America. <laughs> yes. And Jim Root of Slipknot. Yeah, they're oh. the same age. Rest wow. in peace. 
Yes, Tiffany is dead. Oh, October third. Not Jim. Rivers. I thought we were talking oh. about <laughs> October third. Kevin Richardson of the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. Rest um, in peace. Also, Black Thought of the Roots. <laughs> October eleventh. MC Light. October seventeenth. Chris Kirkpatrick of NSYNC. Oh yeah. October twenty. 20- oh, yeah. <laughs> October twentieth. Is born. <laughs> November 8th, Tech 9 rapper. December 16th, Michael McCrary of Boys to Men. December 24th, oh. Ricky Martin. Rest in peace to his career. December 25th, Dido. Oh, I love her. She's yes. great. Mm-hmm. Now on to our quick movie review. Very quick. The French Connection. Yes. The Last Picture Show. Yes. A Clockwork Orange. Yes. yes. A McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Dirty Harry. Yes. Clute. Yes. Straw Dogs, Shaft, yes, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, yes, yes. love it, love it, love it, love Macbeth. it, Macbeth, mm. playing King Lear, mm. Fiddler on the Roof, yes, Bananas, <laughs> Woody, Woody Allen, oh yeah, oh no, I have seen that, it's great, yeah. Diamonds Are Forever, yes, and now for something completely different, yes, the Andromeda Stain, Strain. Andromeda stain is what I have in my pillow sheets. Yeah. And Duel, which was Steven's. First, Sp- yeah, Steven. Yeah. Film debuts F. Murray Abraham, and they might be giants. Kathy Bates and Taking Off. Ooh. Keith Carradine and McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Wow. Rodney Dangerfield and The Projectionist. Uh, I get no respect here. Daniel Day Lewis. Oh, wow. Sunday Bloody Sunday. Gerard Depardieu can cry for the Cormoran. Eugene Levy and Foxy Lady. Craig T. Nelson in The Return of Count oh. Yorga. I'm sure he played a coach. Randy Quaid. The Last Picture Show. John Ritter in The Barefoot Executive. Rest in peace. And Sybil Shepard, The Last Picture Show. She was a babe hmm. back in the day, by the way. If you get a chance to look at young <laughs> Sybil Shepard. Oh, baby. And television. January 1st, the final cigarette advertisements are televised in the United States. Hey, Fred, what are you smoking there? I don't know, Bond. <laughs> yeah. I got these basic menthol cigarettes. With the very final one appearing on The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson on NBC. January 12th, CBS airs the first episode of All in the Family with a disclaimer at the beginning of the programming warning viewers about potentially offensive content. What hmm. is it about? Do you know? The All in the Family? Yeah. You, you know that show. Well, yeah, I know. I mean, just in general, just telling oh. people, like, this show <laughs> could get yeah a little racy. But it was... It's a great, great show. Yeah, it's it, it, understandably for the time. One of my all-time favorites. Yeah. Uh, January 27th, Valerie Barlow is electrocuted by a faulty hairdryer and then perishes in a house fire on Coronation Street. She's an actress. Jesus. That's a wicked way to go. Mm-hmm. Yes. Shows that debuted that year, Masterpiece Theater... On the family, the Sunny and Share Comedy Hour. Oh, nice! Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the original, and Help! It's the Hair Bear Bunch, both on the same day. The Jackson Five Show, Columbo, McMillan and Wife, uh, Soul Train, nice, which was to the equivalent of American Bandstand. I say far more superior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and more, more genre uh, breaking, more dance dances yes. came from Soul Train. It's way more American than. American Bandstand. And the Electric Company. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the precursor to Sesame Street. Yep. 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 Oh, is that the one? Oh, man. Yeah. That was creepy. That was really creepy. (laughs) It's very Canadian. Yeah. And 
In news, the 26th Amendment, which lowered the voting age from 21 to 18. Uh, Disney World opens. And Mariner 9 becomes the first spacecraft to orbit another planet, which was Mars. And then the Pentagon Papers were commissioned as a report on the political and military involvement of the United States in Vietnam. The report covers U.S. involvement from World War II to 1968. And uh, basically says, hey, the government's been lying to you guys for like 30, 40 years. <laughs> Fake a, news. There's a movie, uh, like a miniseries out about that. You should, anyone that's interested should check out. And in tech news, Intel releases world's first microprocessor, the 4004. Texas Instrument releases the first pocket calculator. <laughs> the first internet chat room appears. The first CAT scan is produced by EMI. Apollo 14 lands on the moon, and the Apollo 15 astronauts become the first to ride in a lunar rover on the surface. And the first soft contact lenses become commercially available. And Kev- Kevlar goes on the market. Hmm. Oh, the, the, oh, the joys of military testing and the things that it gives us. <laughs> like email. That's true. It was invented. The floppy disk. Mm. IBM and liquid crystal displays are invented in Switzerland. LCDs. Ah, yes. Sports fans. Yay! There we go. Thank you. <laughs> uh, in the NFL, October 24th, Chuck Hughes of the Detroit Lions is the first and only player to ever die on the field. Oh, wow. He had 75% blockage in one of his arteries, and he didn't know God. it. Oh, wow. I had a heart attack and died. Mm. Oh, boy. Super Bowl V. Baltimore Colts won 16-13 to over the Dallas Cowboys. In the World Series, the Pittsburgh Pirates won four games to three over the Baltimore Orioles. And game four is played at Three Rivers Stadium in Pittsburgh and was the very first night game in World Series history. NBA Finals, the Milwaukee Bucks win four games to zero over the Baltimore Bullets. And on March 8th, Joe Frazier defeats Muhammad Ali at Madison Square Garden in the first of three epic bouts between the two to retain the World Heavyweight Championship. And that, my friends, has been your time capsule. Yay! One took over the line. Oh boy. <laughs> Just one took over that line. Well, guys, let's get into Quick, this. Put aluminum foil on the windows. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> now I want to watch Electric Company. I know. Or 321 Contact. That was the other one I liked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or I want to listen to Led Zeppelin 4. Mm-hmm. Watch them all in the family. Watch them all in the family. This is, seems maybe, like maybe a- catch a, a, a little. Uh, 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 Monty Python movie? Oh, yeah. Oh, baby. Oh. All right, folks, let's get into this D.B. Cooper fella. I got a little fucking <laughs> book here. I'm going to try to stream through it. Now, obviously, the main source for most of my information comes from Wikipedia, but it does have probably one of the best breakdowns of this case with all the interesting kind of side tangents that this one goes down. Now, this is a one-parter. We just finished a mm-hmm. two-parter. We didn't want to do another oh two-parter, my God, no. especially one with death. So we're going to go with something a little more lighthearted since nobody, nobody, I guess, died. Maybe theoretically could have, but we'll get to that later. D.B. Cooper or Dwayne Buford Cooper. I don't know what D.B. Dwayne the Rock for. Cooper. Dwayne the Rock Cooper. <laughs> On Thanksgiving, Boulder Cooper. That's what the B stands for. Boulder. Boulder. (laughs) On Thanksgiving Eve, which is the 
That's the biggest bar night of the year. It is. Hmm? November 24th. Just getting get together with your family the next day. Mm-hmm. I know, right? <laughs> I've never gone to the bar on day before. I never have either. I have many times. We know. We know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say one thing. We mentioned in the last episode, Larry's been on a streak. He's no, no drinkies. And he's been doing great. Three weeks now? Tomorrow, yeah. Yeah. I this is a week that I and this is the first episode in a while that I haven't been slamming some suds. But I really just wanted to to promote the fact that on October 20th I will be slamming those suds again. <laughs> oh boy. Drunk Tacular 3. But I in solidarity with my man, I'm proud of him. So uh, here we go. Anyway, so the day before Thanksgiving, a middle-aged man carrying a black case a approached the flight counter of Northwest Orient Airlines at Portland International Airport. He identified himself as Dan Cooper. Did he say it like that? No, but I would if I was him. (laughs) Name's Dan. Dan Cooper. And I'd like a ticket, please. Yeah. (laughs) Can I get a a window seat? I really like to look at the mountains. My name's not Josh. I'm Dan Cooper. (laughs) So... He used cash to purchase a one-way ticket to flight on flight 305, a 30-minute trip. So that'd be kind of like going from Grand Rapids to Chicago. Even shorter mm-hmm. than that. Yeah. Which I always hate that flight. I don't hate it, but it's just like, man, I just wish I was in Chicago. I know. Because it's just such a boring... Because you wait all the time. You get on a plane. Water, and water, water, water. Water. Home. Water, water. Yeah, exactly. Water, water, water. We are now descending. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a waste <laughs> of time. It's, yeah. Only it's I Not can. enough time to get... Well, back in the day, get hammered on that flight. Mm, true. <laughs> if only I was Spring Hill Josh, I could bound across the, the lake, but I'm not. I just fall in the water. Cooper boarded the aircraft, a Boeing 727 FAA registration N467US and took seat 18C in the rear of the passenger cabin. He lit a cigarette and ordered a bourbon and soda. It's Which back in the day. so masculine. Yeah. Truth story. As soon as I got to like in the research, got to that point, I was like, I like this guy. <laughs> He's just like Dan Cooper. I'll have a bourbon and a soda. I'll have a bourbon and a soda. Can you cut that bourbon with scotch? <laughs> can, I, can I get my tequila with some bourbon in it? Yeah. Maybe a splash of vodka for taste. Ooh, uh, yeah. Vodka ice cubes. If you got them. Yeah. Bourbon, just, scotch, and uh, a cigar. That sounds really good. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. Drunktacular. Yeah. All right. So, fellow passengers described him as a man in his mid 40s between 5 feet 10 and 6 ten, uh, 5 feet 10 inches and 6 feet tall. He's somewhere in there. Yeah. So, he's a little shorter than me. He wore a black, lightweight raincoat, loafers, a dark suit, a neatly pressed white collared shirt, a black clip on tie, and a mother of pearl tie pin. I just love the fact that he wore loafers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's such a 70s. Sitting in your loafer, smoking a cigarette on a plane with a bourbon and soda in the, in the little tray there. <laughs> Probably way more legroom because there's not that many people. Right. I wonder if those loafers were made with gophers. Simpsons reference. Okay. Oh. Well, we love the <laughs> Simpsons references. So this flight was from Washington, D.C. to Seattle. With stops in Minneapolis, Great Falls, Missoula, Spokane, and Portland. It was approximately one third full when it left Portland on schedule at 2.50 p.m. 
Pacific Standard Time. Shortly after takeoff, Cooper handed a note to Florence Schaffner. This was one of the flight attendants on the flight. Um, the flight attendant situated nearest to him in a jump seat attached to the aft stair door. Schaffner assumed that the note contained a lonely businessman's phone number and oh. dropped it unopened your door purse. Said ASL on it. <laughs> Which is so funny. How many... How many that's one thing I do feel bad for stewardesses. Like mm-hmm. how many numbers they must get mm-hmm. in a shift. Just, just or like the married men who are like their wife's asleep and they just like pass them a little note. Like, <laughs> can I get you a mile high club? I swear oh, I have a penis longer than a fucking belly button. Bend over. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> and then that's when they tell Terry, the gay guy, gay stewardess to go take care of him. Fuck it. And Terry's happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he chose that life. Be nice to it. No offense to all of our stewardesses out there. Right? If you're a stewardess and you're a listener to the show, mm-hmm. I would be very curious to know like what it's like day in and day out. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Cooper leaned forward to her and whispered, Miss Bendova. <laughs> <laughs> he said, Well timed. <laughs> Miss you better look at that note. I have a bomb in my pants. <laughs> no, it wasn't in his pants. It's pudding bomb. It's <laughs> <laughs> That's what it looks like on the back of the toilet in there, miss. You might want to go take a look. That note says, uh, <laughs> that, that I'm note sorry. Says, don't eat the chicken wings at Applebee's. <laughs> yeah. Actually, don't eat anything at Applebee's. <laughs> oh, Lord. So... After she read the note, Cooper Cooper told her to sit beside him. Schaffner did as requested, then quietly asked to see the bomb. He slowly undid his pants and pulled them down to his knees. I couldn't even do that straight faced. I started laughing immediately. No, he didn't do that. Cooper uh, opened his briefcase long enough for her to glimpse eight red cylinders Four on top of four, attached to wires coated with red insulation and a large cylindrical cylindrical battery after closing the briefcase he stated his demands 200,000 in negotiable american currency four parachutes two primary and two reserve and a fuel truck standing by in seattle to refuel the aircraft upon arrival schaffner conveyed cooper's instructions to the pilots in the cockpit when she returned cooper was wearing dark sunglasses so it was like matrix style mm-hmm. Which we'll post the image on our Instagram. There's a picture of him where he's got these sunglasses on from like an artist rendering. And it is very like, it almost looks like he's wearing Oakley's. Like he's like a time traveler. He's like 1080, bro. Let's play some 1080 snowboarding. Watch some NASCAR this week and got piss passes. Yeah, you got piss passes. Pit passes and piss passes. (laughs) You got to have the piss pass to get the pit pass. That's right. Piss and the piss pass. That's right. Anyway, so Cooper was wearing these damn sunglasses. <laughs> the pilot, William Scott, contacted Seattle-Tacoma Airport Air Traffic Control, which in turn informed local and federal authorities. The 36 other passengers were given false information that <laughs> their arrival in Seattle will be delayed because of minor mechanical difficulty, which actually I think is a good thing that they did. Because yeah. can you imagine being on that flight and all of a sudden they're like, that guy's got a bomb? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd freak out. Be like, hey, bro. But then I would want to try to like throw a suitcase out a window or something. I don't know. I would just hit the window and bounce back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> try to be the oh, hero. Shit. Oh, shit. And then he just like, good night. Try it again. 
Yeah. Nope, still not working. God damn it. The windows are locked. Anyway, so Northwest Orient's president, Donald Nairop, authorized payment of the ransom and ordered all employees to cooperate fully with the hijackers' demands. The aircraft circled Puget Sound for approximately two hours to allow Seattle police and the FBI sufficient time to assemble Cooper's parachutes and ransom money and to mobilize emergency personnel. Now... Schaffner, the stewardess, recalled that Cooper appeared familiar with the local terrain. At one point, he remarked, Looks like Tacoma down there. As the aircraft, 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 aircraft. Eric Clapton. See, I'm not even <laughs> drinking tonight. Just hot coffee. It's like, I know about things falling out windows. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Wrote a song about it. Tears in heaven. <laughs> If I threw a bomb out of this plane. <laughs> oh, there goes my daughter. Oh, God. I think it was his son, actually. But whatever. <laughs> We're going to hell. Yep. Anyway, so they circled Puget Sound approximately two hours to allow them to get everything and to mobilize emergency personnel. Schaffner recalled that Cooper appeared familiar with the local terrain. At one point, he... Okay, so it looked like Tacoma down there. At the, as the aircraft flew above it, he also correctly mentioned that McCord Air Force Base was only a 20-minute drive at that time mm. from Seattle to Tacoma Airport, which to me says military. military. Mm-hmm. What's up? Actually, I just wanted to point out, uh, I did the inflation on that, and uh, $200,000 was his yeah. ransom. In today's money, that'd be one million two hundred thirty thousand dollars. There are one million two hundred thirty thousand six hundred fourteen dollars. And that's been Josh's money segment. Now, <laughs> thank you, sir. Schaffner described him, uh, DB, as calm, polite, well-spoken, not at all consistent with the stereotypes enraged hardened criminals or take me to Cuba political dissidents. So those bourbons. That's right. <laughs> So that's the deal. You hijack a plane, immediately order a bourbon and soda. Popularly, these, these, these tech, like, usually it's enraged people that are popularly mm-hmm. associated with air piracy from mm-hmm. that time. Tina Mucklow, another flight attendant, agreed. He wasn't nervous, she told investigators. He seemed rather nice. He was never cruel or nasty. He was thoughtful and calm all the time. Well, good job. Yeah. Yeah. Don't have to be an asshole to be an asshole. Right. I mean, if everybody's doing what you, in this case, it feels like everybody's doing what he Mm -hmm. wants. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like he was like, I want to scare these people. He was just like, let them off, feel the plane, take me to where I want to go, give me my money. I won't kill anyone. (laughs) They were different in the 70s, weren't they? Mm -hmm. So anyway, he ordered a second bourbon and a water, paid his drink tab, and attempted to give Schaffner the change and offered to request meals for the flight crew crew during the stop in Seattle. (laughs) Really? It's so courteous. It is. Wow. Like, I know I'm taking up your time. I am an air traffic hijacker. (laughs) But if you want some meatloaf while we're up in Seattle, I know they make good mash. Mm -hmm. I know you want it. You know what? Order yourself seconds if you want and get the pie. Get yourself a cookie. Exactly. Get yourself a cookie and some ice cream. Don't skimp. So... 
FBI agents assembled the ransom money from several Seattle area banks, 10,000 unmarked $20 bills, most with serial numbers beginning with the letter L, indicating issuance by the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco, and most from the 1963A or 1969 series, and made a microfilm photograph of each of them. Hmm. Cooper rejected the military-issue parachutes offered by McCord AFB personnel, Air Force base personnel, Mm -hmm. instead demanding civilian parachutes with manually operated rip cords. Seattle police obtained them from a local skydiving school. Now, he, like I said, he did release the passengers. At 524 Pacific Standard Time, Cooper was informed that his demands had been met. And at 5.39 p.m., the aircraft landed at Seattle-Tacoma Airport. It was more than an hour after sunset, and Cooper instructed Scott to taxi the jet to an isolated, brightly lit section of the tarmac and close each window shade in the cabin to deter police snipers. Northwest Orient's... Oh, God, that scared me. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, I just shot a plane. It was his first time. Can't, a job. can't keep a job. <laughs> Never could. <laughs> But I love rifles. That's my passion. <laughs> Northwest Orient Seattle operations manager Al Lee approached the aircraft in street clothes to avoid the possibility that Cooper might mistake his airline uniform for that of a police officer. He delivered the cash-filled knapsack and parachutes to McCloud, that was the other stewardess, mm-hmm. via the aft stairs. Once the delivery was completed, Cooper ordered all passengers, Schaffner and senior flight attend- attendant Alice Hancock, to leave the plane. During refueling, Cooper outlined his flight plan to the cop- cockpit crew, a southeast course toward Mexico City at the minimum airspeed possible without stalling the aircraft, approximately... Grant's just, just, kind of like how I like to fly. Real slow. That's right. <laughs> 100 knots, or 185 kilometers an hour, 115 miles per hour, at a maximum of 10,000 feet altitude. His, he further specified that the landing gear remained deployed in the takeoff slash landing position. The wing flaps he lowered 15 degrees and the cabin remained unpressurized. Co-pilot William Radizak informed Cooper that the aircraft's range was limited to approximately 1,000 miles under the specified flight configuration, which meant that a second refueling would be necessary before entering Mexico. Cooper and the crew discussed options and agreed on Reno, Nevada as the refueling stop. With the plane's rear exit door open and its staircase extended, Cooper directed the pilot to take off. Northwest's home office objected on grounds that it was unsafe to take off with the aft staircase deployed. Cooper countered that it was indeed safe, but he would not argue the point he would lower it once they were airborne. An FAA official requested a face-to-face meeting with Cooper aboard the aircraft, which was denied. The refueling process was delayed because of a vapor lock in the fuel tanker truck's pumping mechanism, and Cooper became suspicious, but he allowed a replacement tanker truck to continue the refueling and a third after the second ran dry. Now, when they were back in the air at approximately 7.40 p.m., the Boeing 727 took off with only five people aboard. Cooper, the pilot Scott, flight attendant Mucklau, co-pilot Radizak, and flight engineer H.E. Anderson. Two F-106 fighter aircraft were scrambled from McCord Air Force Base and followed behind the airliner, one above it and one below, out of Cooper's view. A Lockheed T-33 trainer diverted from an unrelated Air National Guard mission also shadowed the 727 before running low on fuel and turning back near the Earth. Mm-hmm. I just imagine they're like, hey, uh, 
We got one of them jits up there doing one of them exercises. I know you're just doing donuts up there. You, you think you might have you file a civilian plane for a little while? <laughs> you didn't waste all your your plane, did you? You weren't like like well. Oh, I was gonna feel it this morning. The guy that's like sitting behind him, like in the plane, he's like, "Don't talk about that." Well, 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 Major, we was huffing it. No, I told you not to tell him what we were doing in this thing. God damn it, I'm flying next time. Anyways, so they scrambled that guy too. Now, overall, overall, there were five planes in total trailing the hijacked plane. Not a single one of them reportedly saw him jump, and none of them could pinpoint a location where he could have landed. Well, they said it was after sunset, so it probably would have been harder right. to see. Him. It would have been harder to see. <laughs> he just, he just <laughs> right out the back of the plane. <laughs> That's for all our video game hardcores out there. Yeah, for sure. Now, after takeoff, Cooper told Mucklaw to join the rest of the crew in the cockpit and remain there with the door closed. As she compiled, as she compiled, as she complied, Mucklaw observed Cooper tr- tying something around his waist. At approximately 8 p.m., a warning light flashed in the cockpit, cockpit, cockpit. indicating that the aft staircase apparatus had been activated. The crew offer of assistance via the aircraft's intercon system was curtly refused. The crew soon noticed a subjective change of air pressure, indicating that the aft door was open. The oh shit alarm and their heads are going mm-hmm. off. At approximately 8.13 p.m., the aircraft's tail section sustained a sudden upward movement significant enough to require trimming to bring the plane back to level flight. At approximately 10.15 p.m., the aircraft's aft air stair was still deployed when Scott and Redizek landed the 727 at Reno Air Port. FBI agents, state troopers, sheriff's deputies, and Reno police surrounded the jet as it had not yet been determined with certainty that Cooper was no longer aboard, but an armed search quickly confirmed mm. his absence. Which is, it's kind of creepy to think of that. Like you're all locked in the front and there's somebody back there and you don't know what he's doing. And mm. then, like, says he has a bomb. Yeah. And then later you land and, like, you open Just the door and there's is. nobody back there. Just a little, like, little tip for the stewardess. <laughs> thanks for the bourbon and soda. I mean, thanks for the bourbon and soda. <laughs> so then there was an investigation. FBI agents recovered 66 unidentified latent fingerprints aboard the airliner. They found fingerprints on the, Oh wait, they found DNA, which we'll, we'll talk about more later on the, uh, he had one of the, that's what he was doing back there. He had the clip on tie though. Mm. So like he took that off and like, placed it on one of the chairs which is just suddenly seems kind of tacky you know you're smoking a cigarette drinking a bourbon wearing a nice press shirt and all of a sudden you just like plink <laughs> toss it on the seat like me in second grade <laughs> after communion I'm done with this Lions football rules I just picture you being a sports fan well, that's, were you a big sports fan as a kid? yeah we used clip-ons because we were Catholic and the priest couldn't get a hold of you that way <laughs> You should have put one of those sensors that goes off when the tie, when the tie gets removed. It's like <laughs> the white girl alarm goes off. <laughs> Soccer mom's all over. What? There's a disturbance in the force. Father Kerrigan. No, we got. <laughs> he's got Larry's tie. <laughs> anyway, so. The agents found Cooper's black clip-on tie, as I said, his tie clip, and two of the four parachutes, one of which had been opened, and two shroud suspension lines cut from its canopy. 
Authorities interviewed eyewitnesses in Portland, Seattle, and Reno, and all those who personally interacted with Cooper. A series of composite sketches were, were developed. Local police and FBI agents immediately began questioning possible suspects. An Oregon man named D.B. Cooper, who had a minor police record, was one of the first persons of interest in the mm. case. He was contacted by Portland police on the off chance that the hijacker... I lost it. This We've got anti-tapping. I think... I think this cat's like gone in for April's chair. She's like, I need to be a voice on this show. Yeah, this cat likes some jitties. Um... <laughs> well, that cat's got a lot in common with the rest of us at this table. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, he was contacted by Portland police, this guy named D.B. Cooper, on the off chance that the hijacker had used his real name or the same alias in a previous cr- crime. He was quickly ruled out as a suspect, but a local reporter named James Long, rushing to meet an imminent deadline, confused the eliminated suspect's name with a pseudonym used by the hijacker. What? The media got something wrong? Mm-hmm. Boy, there's a shocker. A wire service reporter, Clit, Clyde Jabin of UBI. Clit Jabin? They call me Clit Jabin. <laughs> That's my nickname. I'll be jamming it. I'll be jamming them clips. Mm. Jab, jab, jab. That's what I do. How's that work Bend for you, over. girl? I said, it is the 70s. Can you just imagine, like, the most sexually clueless man? My name's Clit Jabbing. <laughs> no, no. I Let see me the, see that clit. Don't. I see that being oh, a phrase that, that virgins use. Just punching like, a clit. Yeah, they, like, they want to they fist My name this. is Clit Jabbing. <laughs> <laughs> she's, like, she's, like, crying. She's, like... Gotta throw some echo in there. <laughs> She's like dead, and he's just like, I fucking knocked her into a sexual coma. Now just lay there and I, <laughs> I don't know why it's so dry. Oh. It's, like, it's like Nevada in 110 degrees. Try there. that again. <laughs> How's that? Oh, same result. I don't get it. She told me she was into fisting. <laughs> oh, Lord. She's all like, the, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Larry's helping me with my cold. Ugh. Honestly, on, on, a, on a serious note, th- there's always one guy that thinks they know what they're doing. <laughs> Just like, maybe if I do it harder or faster, and then it's yeah. like, then you're uncomfortable. Then Now you've made it weird. They have what, that fisting? moment where they're, where they're going really fast with something, or like, because this is the same thing with girls. They're doing the thing. They're going <laughs> to go way too fast, and you're like, Am I, am I getting masturbated by the micro machines guy? You pull it off. <laughs> and you're just like, oh my god, oh my god! If you hit me right wrong spot, I'm like my my penis head's gonna pop off. At, <laughs> he's working at like a doorbell. Just. <laughs> <Yo>. <laughs> oh boy. Well, you're not down there scratching records. You're not a DJ. <laughs> I always pretended I was. <laughs> God. Was that wiggity wiggity whack for you too, baby? <laughs> it was pretty whack. All right, so. <laughs> Good Lord. All right, so the approximately 8, 13 p.m. Uh, fuck, I'm, I keep losing my place. Clit jabber. Clit jabber. Thank you. Where are you? Clyde jabbing, or clit jabber as we like to call him. <laughs> By most accounts, Joe Frazier of the AP by others republished the error following the numerous other media sources. The moniker D.B. Cooper became lodged in the public's collective memory. Precise search area was difficult to define as even small differences in estimates of the aircraft speed 
or the environmental conditions. Now, I don't know if you know anything. I mean, our friend Bigfoot's from that area. This is we're talking up in the big, deep, deep woods. Mm-hmm. And this is a lot of land that we haven't even really been able to kind of suss through. And like, mm-hmm. there's a billion cryptid. We could just we could literally be a cryptid mm-hmm. podcast that just covered the Pacific Northwest. I'm mm-hmm. just saying. Anyway, this is a big area. Now, an important variable was the length of time he remained in free fall before pulling the ripcord. Now, I did mention it was 10,000 feet, which is it's high. I mean, general air travel is 30,000 mm-hmm. feet, which is mm-hmm. stupid high. Um, if indeed he succeeded in opening the chair. Now, neither of the Air Force fighter pilots saw anything, if you're curious about that which I think Josh hmm. nailed it with that, the fact that it was dark. Mm-hmm. Now, if I, again, this goes to the military mind of me, I have to assume this is somebody who's trained for like dark jumps. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's what I was thinking too. Like military, somebody who was jumping from. And I, and if he, if he's got planes following him, you would want to, yeah, paratrooper, you would want to have some sort of light source. Cause you can't just go jump in the night and not like throw a flare mm-hmm. or something like you're literally just going to plow into a tree and like <laughs> explode. So now they didn't see a parachute shoot open, but at night with extremely limited visibility and cloud cover. Now there was a good cloud covering and he probably could have used that to his advantage, especially mm-hmm. being out in the deep, 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 deep woods. You've got moonlight. So There was no ground lighting. An airborne human figure clad entirely black clothing could easily have gone undetected. The T-33 pilots never made visual contact because they ran out of gas. (laughs) Oh, fuck. We were huffing too long, Stu. Is there a BP around here? (laughs) I got my Speedway card. For the last time, Stu, I told you we cannot take a government-issued craft to the BP. (laughs) Now, we can get free donuts. I I have my... No, I forgot my Speedway car, man. <laughs> now put it in neutral. We got to push it back to the base. <laughs> now, in an experimental rec- recreation, Scott piloted the aircraft used in the hijacking the same flight configuration. FBI agents pushing a 200-pound sled out of an open-air stair were able to reproduce the upward motion of the tail section described by the flight crew at 8.13 p.m. Based on this experiment, it was concluded that 8.13 p.m., was the most likely jump time. Hmm. At that moment, the aircraft was flying through a heavy rainstorm over the Lewis River in southwest Washington. Wow. Initial exploitations placed Cooper's landing zone within an area of the southernmost outreach of Mount St. Helens, a few miles southeast of Ariel, Washington, near Lake Merwin, an artificial lake formed by a dam on the Lewis River. Search efforts focused on Clark and Cowitz, Cowitz counties, encompassing the terrain immediately south and north, respectively of the Lewis River in southwest Washington. Uh, The FBI also coordinated an aerial search using fixed-wing aircraft and helicopters from the Oregon Army National Guard along the entire flight path from Seattle to Reno, although numerous broken treetops and several pieces of plastic and other objects resembling parachute canopies were sighted and investigated, nothing relevant to the hijacking was found. So they combed the shit out of this area. Mm-hmm. It sounds like if you fuck with the federal government, they fuck back. They fuck back pretty hard. They don't call me clit jabber for nothing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Shortly after the spring thaw in early 72, teams of FBI agents aided by some 200 Army soldiers from Fort Lewis along the Air Force 
Personnel, National Guardsmen, and civilian volunteers conducted another thorough ground search of Clark and Coetz counties for 18 days in March and then an additional 18 days in April. Electronic ex- Explorations Company, a marine salvage firm, used a submarine to reach the 200 foot depths of Lake Merwin. Two local women stumbled upon a skeleton in an abandoned structure in Clark County. It was later identified as the remains of a female teenager who had been abducted and murdered several weeks before. Jeez. So I guess there's our first dead body. Ultimately, the search operations, arguably the most extensive and intensive in U.S. history, uncovered no significant material evidence related to the hijacking. So if you take money, it turns into the biggest government search in U.S. history. Hmm. Now, I got a few more before we take a break. I want to talk a little bit about the money. How are we doing on time? We're at 50 minutes. Okay. This will be a long one. A month after the hijacking, the FBI distributed lists of the ransom serial numbers to financial institutions, casinos, racetracks, and other businesses that routinely conduct significant cash transactions and to law enforcement agencies around the world. Northwest Orient, which is the plane company, Mm -hmm. offered a reward of 15% of the recovered money to a maximum of 25000 In early 72, U.S. Attorney General John N. Mitchell released the serial numbers to the general public. <laughs> In 1972, two men used counterfeit $20 bills printed with Cooper's serial numbers to swindle $30,000 from a Newsweek reporter named Carl Fleming in exchange for an interview with a man they falsely claimed was the hijacker. In early of 1973, with the ransom money still missing, the Oregon Journal republished the serial numbers and offered $1,000, respectively, to the first person to turn in a ransom bill to the newspaper or any FBI field office. So you say if I give you this $200,000, you'll give me $25,000? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's right. We were dumb back then, too, folks. So, (laughs) in Seattle, the post-intelligencer... That intelligencer? Yeah, that's the name. I think this was made by my grandpappy, <laughs> made a similar offer with a $5,000 reward. The offers remained in effect until Thanksgiving 1974, and though there were several near matches, no genuine bills were found. Mm. In 1975, Northwest Orient's insurer Global Indemnity Co. compiled with an order from the Minnesota Supreme Court and paid the airline $180,000 claim on the ransom money. Subsequent analysis indicated that the original landing zone estimate was inaccurate. Scott, who was flying the aircraft manually because of Cooper's speed and altitude demands, later determined that his flight path was significantly farther east than initially assumed. Additional data from a variety of sources, in particular Continental Airlines pilot Tom Bohan, who was flying four minutes behind Flight 305, indicated that the wind direction factored into drop zone calculations had been wrong, possibly by as much as 80 degrees. This and other supplemental wow. data suggested that the actual drop zone was probably south-southeast of the original estimate. So the idea there is that he could be in a completely different area than what they had originally suggested. On uh, July 8th, 2016, the FBI announced that it was suspending active investigations of the Cooper case, citing a need to focus its investigative resources and manpower on issues of higher and more urgent priority. Bigfoot. Right. The official physical... Description of Cooper has remained unchanged and is considered reliable. Flight attendants Schaefer and Mucklaw, who spent the most time with Cooper, were interviewed on the same night in a separate in separate cities and gave nearly identical descriptions. Like I said, five foot ten to six feet tall, uh, one hundred and seventy to one hundred and eighty pounds, so r- relatively skinny. That's mm-hmm. just kind of my build with close set, piercing brown eyes. I do have brown eyes and swarthy skin. I don't have alien skin. 
I don't know what swarthy means. Does that mean you're a pirate? Pirate Swarthy's like Harry. Oh, a little bit. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm D.B. Cooper. <laughs> um, in 1978, a placard printed with instructions for lowering the aft stairs of a 727 was found by a deer hunter near a logging road about 13 miles east of Castle Rock, Washington, well north of Lake Merwin, but within Flight 305's basic flight path. Now, getting back to the money... In February of 1988, year old Brian Ingram was vacationing with his family on the Columbia River at a breach front known as Tina Bar, about nine miles downstream from Vancouver, Washington, and 20 miles southeast of Ariel. The child uncovered three packets of the ransom cash as he raked the nearly the Randy, the Randy Beach, <laughs> the Randy Beach, as he raked the Sandy Riverbank to build a campfire. The bills were significantly disintegrated, but still bundled in rubber bands. FBI technicians confirmed that the money was indeed a portion of the ransom. Two packets of $120 bills each and a third packet of 90, all arranged in the same order as when given to Cooper. Josh, do you have a question that you'd like to ask right now? Or would that be inorganic? <laughs> hey, Guys, Blame it on if me. you found that kind of money, what would you do? Would you keep it? I would buy lots of groceries. Let me groceries. guess, you would go to Costco <laughs> and buy a megaton of rum and peanut butter and pickles. <laughs> You're right. You read my mind. <laughs> We're fucking with Larry right now. We, we love him to death. I would buy a new producer for the show. <laughs> Uh, when it to press the play Sorry. button on the recorder. Sorry, you're priceless. You can't uh, buy anyone else. Oh. April, we didn't ask you, what would you do with that kind of money? Oh, man. What would you do? How much was it? Uh, it's a lot. There's $120 bills. What's that math-wise? Two grand. Two grand. Oh, wow, Back that was then, fast. that's probably closer to... You could buy it. You could probably buy it. Make a sizable down payment on a house, yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or buy I, lots of pickles. Yeah, um, boy, I don't know. I would probably just go, like go on a sweet shopping spree, and, yeah. like replace all the clothes on my closet, go to Sephora, and just like buy all the makeup I wanted, and get like as many hair ties as you ever wanted. Yes, they'll be all gone the next day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hair. Oh, I, I bought like 3,000 hair ties. I know. Those Where did are, they all go? Those and bobby pins. Yeah. Like, like they just, they go wherever the other sock in the dryer goes. You guys have like a magical Babadook that lives in your house and the only thing he does is take hair ties and bobby pins. <laughs> yeah, because every time I need one, I'm like, well, what the hell? Where did they all go? He's like, run. He runs away with them on his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm, a, I'm a weird cryptid that steals hair things. Okay. Now that we get that out of the way. In 1986, after protracted negotiations, the recovered bills were divided equally between Ingram and Northwest Orient's insurer. The FBI retained 14 examples as evidence. Ingram sold this little boy who did a wise thing, sold 15 of his bills at auction in 2008 for about 37000 Man. Good job, dude. Mm-hmm. To date, none of the 9,710 remaining bills have turned up anywhere in the world. Their serial numbers remain available online for public search. The Columbia River ransom money and their air steer instruction placard remain the only confirmed physical evidence from the hijacking ever found. Mm. Now, in 2017, a group of volunteer investigators uncovered what they believe to be potential evidence with what appears to be a decades-old parachute strap in the Pacific Northwest that was followed later in August with a piece of foam suspected of being Cooper's, a piece of Cooper's backpack. 
And in late 2007, this is going back a little bit, the FBI announced that a partial DNA profile had been obtained with three organic samples found on Cooper's clip-on tie. There was an agent, his uh, special agent, Fred Gutt. <laughs> right. It's difficult to draw firm conclusions from these. My two. brother's Clint Jabber. Clint Jabber. Oh, he's. <laughs> the Bureau also made public a file of previously unreleased evidence, including Cooper's 1971 plane ticket, which, uh, hey, guys, want to take a guess at how much that plane ticket was? Hey, <laughs> $19.99. $20.01. $20 even. Oh, April, you're great. <laughs> I, you know what? We did have to redo this part. That's okay. Because guess what? I'm learning that you guys have retained some knowledge, and I appreciate that. If anything, that's important. Aye, aye, aye. Now, they also <laughs> noticed that he chose the two older primary parachutes supplied to him rather than the technically superior ones. He selected a dummy, an unusual unit, with an inoperative ripcord intended for classroom demonstrations. Although it had clear markings identify it to any experienced skydiver as non-functional, which to me is kind of a little bit like if he didn't know, like I would, I'm just saying, if you're going to jump out of a plane with ransom money, I would think you would know how to do a night jump, especially since it was dark out. And if you chose like a shitty one, like, like I said, this one looks like it's been used. Probably works every time (laughs) you pull the rip cord and it just like deflates on you. Oh, great. Dust puffs out an air raft, (laughs) a tire, (laughs) It's more cartoony than Anvil. Cheetah Brad Spear. Yeah, exactly. Oh, boy. So that kind of <laughs> is like the one moment of where it leads to a verdict where did this guy kill himself? Like, did he grab the dummy one? Yeah, yeah it inadvertently just explode upon impact into a pine tree. Yeah, I mean, seriously. (laughs) Now, in March of 2009, the FBI disclosed that Tom Kay, a paleontologist from the Burke Museum of Natural History and Culture in Seattle, had assembled a team of citizen sleuths, including illustrator... Oh, God. (laughs) 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 Okay, her name's Carol. Uh, What's her last name? All right, this this last name... A Braggsnaz Kaz. Melissa-snish. A Braggsnaz Kaz. A B R A C Z I N S K S. Visualages. A Braggsnaz Kaz. Abraxinskis? 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 Are you seeing the name now? Yeah, I looked it up. a bunch of new stuff here. Oh, God. Exactly. Wow. Now, scientific illustrator Carol and metallurgist Alan Stone, the group eventually known as the Cooper Research Team, CRT. Hey, guys. I made strudel. The Z is silent. Abrazinskis. The Z is silent? Does it say that in that thing? No, I just know that. Well, look, I'm not Polish, okay? What is that? Yeah, you are. Okay, maybe I am. (laughs) (laughs) But I haven't spoke Polish in a long time. C. C. I don't know about that. Maybe I am. <laughs> Zenzizi BBB. That although, sounds like Polish to mm-hmm. me. Although little to n- new information was re- gained regarding the buried ransom money or Cooper's landing zone, they were able to find and analyze hundreds of min- minute particles on Cooper's tie using electron microscopy. Now, 
lycopodium spores, likely from a pharmaceutical product, were identified, as well as fragments of bismuth and aluminum. In November of 2011, K announced that particles of pure titanium had been found on the tie. He explained that titanium, which was much rarer in the 70s than in the 2010s, was at that time found only in metal fabrication or production facilities or at chemical companies using it to store extremely corrosive substances. The findings suggested that Cooper may have been a chemist or a metallurgist or possibly an engineer or manager. The other employees who wore ties in such facilities at the time, those little clip-ons, those little guys, at a metal or chemical manufacturing plant or at a company that recovers scrap metal from those types of factories. In January 2017, Kay reported that rare earth minerals such as cerium and strontium sulfide had also been identified among particles from the tie. One of the rare applications for such elements in the 70s was Boeing's supersonic transport deployment development project. So maybe he had a past in flight. Hmm. Maybe he was a Boeing employee, which to me says, why the fuck are you going to take? You got a pension. Mm -hmm. You got Mm -hmm. a job. It's the 70s. It's not about the money. It's about the travel. Oh, it's about the friends he made along the it's way. About, it's about, <laughs> as he cup, as he clutches his money and smashes into a pine tree, <laughs> and the squirrels just eat his nuts. It's about the adventure. Other possible sources of the material includes. <laughs> that's what that's what you picture when he jumps out the back of the plane. No, not yet. We were supposed to start the raid later. Says the co-pilot. I was doing the, the math. I do. Oh boy. We lost our tank. If anyway. you if you jumped out of a plane, what would you yell? What would be your go to like jumping to your probably doom? Are you asking just me or the whole? No, table? all of them. Everyone. Blowjobs are great. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I think I would say that with exasperated I breath April. as I try to yell and there's no oxygen in my mm. mouth. They Fuck it, we'll do it live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like I would trip when I tried to say something. Yep. So I'd trip out the door, I'd fart, and then do like a barrel roll. <laughs> and I'd be like, I'd be pissed because I'd... Game over. I would have forgotten to grab my two-hearted that I opened that yep. was sitting in one of my chairs. They Sounds both enjoyed right. the penis together. Mm-hmm. Well, you could say that, but I don't know what you're proving. No, I... A dildo. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Josh says when he jumps out. Ryan would do his Woody Woodpecker Where laugh. are the hookers at? Ryan would do the Woody? Yeah. Oh, he would. All right, here I go. Three, two, one. Gosh, put me on the spot. Look at how many you got to go through here. (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. hundred of them. All right, I'm going to do it again. Here I go. I'm going to jump out the plane. Three, two, one. God love meth. Meth loves me. (laughs) Come here, meth. Brad, take a sucky and pokey. Oh, I want Doritos. Let's kill this cop. Where's my teeth? Uh oh, there goes the last one. (laughs) <laughs> I took close second as I'm falling singing that song yep. I would just be doing barrel rolls the whole time mm-hmm. yay well that was great <laughs> Yep. that's probably more accurate alright a little bit more and then we're going to take a break so found all these crazy stuff on his tie like it ties, could tie him to many things and that's where there's a lot of conspiracies tied to this now, the statute of limitations in 1976 discussion rose over impending expiration of the statute of limitations on the hijacking. Most published legal analysis agreed that it would make little difference as interpretation of the statute varies considerably from case to case and court to court. And a prosecutor hmm. could argue that Cooper had forfeited 
immunity on any of the several valid technical grounds. The question was rendered irrelevant in November when a Portland grand jury returned an indictment in absentia against John, excuse me, John Doe, a.k.a. Dan Cooper, for air piracy and violation of the Hobbs Act. The indictment (laughs) formally initiated prosecution that can be continued should the hijacker be apprehended at any time in the future. And we're going to find you, D.B. Cooper, (laughs) after this break. Well, tonight, a potential bombshell in the D.B. Cooper case was the infamous skyjacker, really, a Vietnam veteran from Stockton. Reporter Steve Large spoke with a team that claims they have solved the mystery to his identity. These are the letters that could solve a decades-long mystery. A group of private investigators says these letters could be the key to proving the 1971 skyjacker D.B. Cooper's true identity is this man, Robert Rackstraw, a former Stockton resident whose family also lived in Calaveras County. We showed one of the letters to a former member of an Army intelligence unit that Robert Rackstraw used to belong to. That former service member recognized the set of digits in the D.B. Cooper letter as a code he and Rackstraw used in their unit. Applying the code, new words appeared, investigators say, pointing to Robert Rackstraw. It said, can FBI catch me, SWS, which stood for a special warfare school where Rackstraw went to learn coding. These are recent photos of Robert Rackstraw and some from his military days. The FBI released this composite sketch of D.B. Cooper when the hijacking investigation began. When he got on a plane in Portland, Oregon last night, he was just another passenger. Since the day before Thanksgiving in 1971, the mysterious case of the Northwest Orient Airlines hijacker has intrigued people all around the country. The man who called himself D.B. Cooper showed a flight attendant a bomb in a suitcase, allowed passengers to leave, asked for $200,000 and parachutes, and when the plane took off again, Cooper jumped out with all that cash strapped to his body. No one found him all these years. In Sacramento, Steve Large, KPIX 5. Robert Rackstraw now lives in San Diego and insists that he is not D.B. Cooper. She packed my bags last night, pre-flight. Zero hour, 9 a.m. And I'm gonna be high as a kite by then. I miss the earth so much. I miss my wife. It's lonely out. Such a timeless flight And I think it's gonna be a long, long time The touchdown brings me round again to find I'm not the man they think I am at home Oh, no, no, no That's, that's a jukebox in the bar, we're all singing at the top of our lungs right there. Closing song. Yeah. One guy crying. Mm. Me. Me patting your back. Bill Kaylee. Holding his hair back. 
Uh, topical. Just because. Yeah, why not? We're that type of friends. Yeah. It's getting in your eyes, Larry. <laughs> suspect watch. It's time to talk about suspects. Suspects. Who was DB Cooper? Let's find this motherfucker. Don't jump out the back, bitch. Anyway. Okay. Kenneth Christensen. 2003, a Minnesota resident named Lyle Christensen watched a television documentary about the Cooper hijacking and became convinced that his late brother Kenneth was Cooper. After repeated futile attempts to convince first the FBI and then author and film director Nora Ephron, he contacted a private investigator in New York City. In 2010, the detective Skip Porteous published a book. <laughs> Brothers on- Clit Jabber. <laughs> It's funny because somebody's phone vibrated as soon as you said that clit jabber. It was like (laughs) the ghost of clit jabber is in the room. Yep. Always haunting. Always punishing that clit. Yep. There he is. Ooh. Now, let's talk about this guy's life a bit. (laughs) Christensen enlisted in the army in 1944 and was trained as a paratrooper. Hmm. The war had ended by the time he was deployed in 1945, but he made occasional training jumps while stationed in Japan with occupation forces in the late 40s. After leaving the army, he joined Northwest Orient in 1954 as a mechanic in the South Pacific and subsequently became a flight attendant and then a purser Hmm. based in Seattle. Purser's kind of like a ship security, like a helper Mm -hmm. guy. Yep, ship's still there. Yep. (laughs) Horn still works. Maybe. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Yep. Christensen was 45 years old at the time of the hijacking, but he was shorter, five foot eight, thinner, 150 pounds, mm-hmm. and lighter, com- complected than complete spelling error. Lighter than eyewitnesses' descriptions. Christensen smoked, as did the hijacker, and displayed a particular fondness for it's bourbon. The 70s, everybody smoked right? and liked bourbon. He was also left handed. Evidence. Evidence photos of Cooper's black tie show the I tie like clip and beer and drinking cigarettes applied from the left <laughs> from the left side, suggesting a left-handed wearer. Schaffner told a reporter that photos of Christensen fit her memory of the hijackers. Schaffner was the stewardess. Mm-hmm. The hijackers' appearance more closely than those of other suspects she had been shown, but mm. could not conclusively identify him. Christensen reportedly had purchased a house with cash a few months after the hijacking. While dying of cancer mm-hmm. in 94, he told Lyle, there is something you should know, and, but I cannot tell you. Lyle said he so, never... So why say that? <laughs> did it on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Vague post. There's something I can... There's something you all should know, but I can't tell you. <laughs> thumbs down, thumbs down, thumbs down. Worst day ever. I'm so mad. Hey, what's wrong? I don't want to talk about it. Oh. Yep. Vague book. Now, Lyle said he never pressed his brother to explain, which honestly, I would press my brother. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, look, if you're dying of brain cancer and your brain's mush, mm. you better tell me what's going on. Because if I need to find some bodies or I need <laughs> yep. to, or there's some money in it involved yeah. and I need to take a trip to Mexico City, you need to let me know. Single Dad 2018's yep. got a road trip planned. <laughs> After Christensen's death, family members discovered gold coins in a valuable stamp collection, along with over $200,000 in bank accounts. They also found a folder of Northwest Orient news clippings, which began about the time he was hired mm-hmm. in the 50s and stopped just prior to the date of the hijacking. 
Despite the fact that the hijacking was by far the most momentous news event in the airline's history, Christensen continued to work part-time for the airline for many years after 1971, but apparently never clipped another Northwest News story. Research by Internet Web Sleuths would later uncover proof that Christensen did not pay cash for the house he bought after the hijacking, but instead had a mortgage on the house and took 17 years to pay it off. The same search would also uncover proof that Christensen had sold off almost two dozen acres of land for 17000 per acre in the mid-90s thus accounting for the large sum of money in his account at the time of his death. Despite the publicity generated by Porteus' book, which there was a book, but I won't hit on it any more than that, and the 2011 uh, subsequent documentary, the FBI is standing by its position that Christensen cannot be considered a prime suspect. It cites a poor-matched eyewitness physical descriptions, a level of skydiving expertise above, that predicted by their subject profile in an absence of direct incriminating evidence. Next subject or a suspect, if you will. Jack Koflet. Kofelt. C-O-F-F-E-L-T. Kofelt. Kofelt was a conman, ex-convict, and purported government informant who claimed to have been the chauffeur and confidant of Abraham Lincoln's last undisputed descendant, great-grandson Robert Todd Lincoln Beckwith. In 1972, he began claiming he was Cooper and attempted through an intermediary a former cellmate named James Brown, to sell his story to Hollywood Production Company. He said he landed near Mount Hood, about 50 miles southeast of Ariel. Me and Jabber. Yeah. Mount Hood. <laughs> Injuring himself and losing the ransom money in the process. He injured himself on Clint Jabber. <laughs> Not me, Clint. Photos of Kofelt bear a resemblance to the composite drawings, although he was in his mid-50s in 71. He was reportedly in... Portland on the day of the hijacking and sustained leg injuries around the time, which were consistent with a skydiving mishap. Next one. Lynn Doyle Cooper. L.D. Cooper, a leather worker and Korean War veteran, was proposed as a suspect in July of 2011 by his niece, Marla Cooper. As an eight-year-old, she recalled Cooper and another uncle planning something very mischievous. Mmm, twirl your mustaches, kids. Involving the use of expensive walkie-talkies at her grandmother's house in Sisters, Oregon, 150 miles south of Portland. The next day, Flight 305 was hijacked, and though the uncles ostensibly were turkey hunting, L.D. Cooper came home wearing a bloody shirt. The result, he said, of, a big turkey. <laughs> of an auto accident. Later, she said her parents came to believe... Got an accident with a turkey. <laughs> <laughs> I let the turkey drive. It was a bad idea. <laughs> what a turkey stick. As God is my witness, turkeys can't drive. <laughs> That's the last time I, t- I kill a 30-pack of Schlitz and let a turkey drive me home. So... It was uh, later. She said, "This little girl said her parents came to believe that L.D. Cooper was the hijacker." She also recalled that her uncle, who died in eight ninety nine, nineteen ninety nine, that's a sad year. You wanted you want to be like singing the Prince song that whole year. Let's go crazy. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> no kiss. Ah, yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> so he was obsessed with the Canadian comic book hero Dan Cooper. And had one of the com- his comic books thumbtacked to his wall, although he was not a skydiver or paratrooper. In August 2011, New York Magazine published an alternative witness sketch, purportedly based on a description by Flight 305 eyewitness Robert Gregory, depicting horn-rimmed sunglasses, a russet-colored suit jacket with wide lapels and marcelled hair. 
The article notes that L.D. Cooper had wavy hair that looked marcelled, as did Dwayne Weber, whoever that is. The FBI announced that no fingerprints had been found on a guitar strap made by L.D. Cooper. One week later, they added that his DNA did not match the partial DNA profile obtained from the hijacker's tie from our DBE Cooper. There's no certainty that the hijacker was the source of the organic material obtained from the tie. The Bureau has made no further public comment. Now, this next one is an interesting one. Barbara Dayton, a recreational pilot and University of Washington librarian who was born Robert Dayton in 1926, served in the U.S. Merchant Marines and then the Army during World War II. After discharge, Dayton worked with explosives in the construction industry, which I guess, I mean, if there's a bomb, mm-hmm. you want an expert. Can't blow that up, boss. And it's, Can't blow that up, boss. Just want to blow things up, boss. Have a Coke and a smile for a minute, all right? <laughs> Dayton worked with explosives, like I said, and aspired to be a professional airline, aspired to a professional airline career, but could not obtain a commercial pilot's license. Dayton underwent gender reassignment surgery in 1969 and changed her name to Barbara. She claimed to have staged the Cooper hijacking. (laughs) All right. Success. (laughs) I'm a woman now. I put the dick meat in my boobies. Is that how that works? Do you know anything <laughs> about that? I mean, I haven't done it personally yet. I'll put the dick meat Doesn't... in the boot. I thought dicks were all cartilage. I don't think there's any meat. No, it's muscle, isn't it? Because when it it like fills with blood, that's it's muscle. It's like flexing a, a muscle. I do have a this six... is like a question I cannot answer. I do have a six pack underneath my shaft. <laughs> you have... Hey Siri. Oh, what are dicks made of? What are dicks made of? What? That's not at all what I said. Oh, God. Hold on. I'll Google it. What are penises made of? I didn't find anything. Sorry about that. Sorry. I couldn't find anything on the web. Siri's getting anxious right now. Okay. Okay. Uh, Okey How does Ryan not know this? I know. You're a dickspert. Well, I I was the one that purported that it was all cartilage. I thought it would just cartilage is like your your earlobe, ear, or your nose. I don't I don't think there's a dick bone. I think boners wrong. No, no, it's definitely not a bone. It fills with blood. Grower, not a shower. Shower, not a grower. Like a muscle. Like is that what muscles do? You get excited and your muscles fill up. God, we do not know <laughs> science anatomy. It really doesn't say. It's uh not, yeah I don't this it, is un, this is very unclear I think they're skin skin and hair Whoa. really I'm, hey uh, I'm throwing shit out there instead of I don't know internet confused it's corpus spongiosum mm. so it's like sponge might want to get that checked out <laughs> corpus crespiomium sounds like a like a shortcake recipe. <laughs> what are vaginas made out of? Is that the yin yang? I mean, I guess it's just inside out penis. <laughs> well, th- that's what a clit is. is a little tiny penis. Really? You didn't know that? Where does yeah. the clit pee? <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my God. Bring it back. All right. Rank, ranking it in. All right. So this lady, this boy became a girl. 
She claimed to have staged the Cooper hijacking two years later, disguised as a man in order to get back at the airline industry and the FAA, whose insurmountable rules and conditions had prevented her from becoming an airline pilot. Take the man. She said she <laughs> hid the ransom money in a cistern, which is a like a large plastic object, like receptacle for holding liquids. Piss I jug. looked that up because I was like, cistern, sister, cistern. I don't get that. <laughs> Near her landing point in Woodburn, a suburban area south of Portland, eventually she recanted her entire story. So why is that a suspect? Fucking stupid article. William Gossett. Next one. Gossett was a Marine Corps, Army, and Air Force veteran. Wow. I don't know how you do that much. Who saw action... The walls are purring. Oh, boy. Who saw action in Korea and Vietnam. His military experience included advanced jump training and wilderness survival. And after retiring from military service... In 73, he worked at it as an ROTC instructor, which is hardcore mm-hmm. boot camp. Taught military law at Weber State University in Ogden, Utah, and hosted a radio talk show. In- Why would you host a radio talk show after stealing money from the government? <laughs> this suspect... All right, I'm skipping this guy. I need to call Howard Stern immediately. Yeah. I don't see anything... Uh, yeah, something about his son, something about uh, weak... Strapped for cash, probably wanted to He has 87 jobs. How is he strapped for cash? No, next one. (laughs) Robert Richard Lepsey. Now, this guy was a 33-year-old grocery store manager. That's not... Okay, if you're a grocery store manager, good on you. Mm -hmm. But I'm just saying, you're not the type of guy to rob a plane. Right. Federal government. Perfect job to have. (laughs) But, interesting... He was a married father of four from Grayling, Michigan. Oh, that bastard mm. needed the money. He needed it. Poor guy. Who disappeared in October of 1969. His vehicle was found three days later at a local airport, and a man matching Lepsy's description was reportedly seen boarding a flight to Mexico. Grayling's, uh, is that east? So yeah. I say, yeah. Yeah, so it's like the plane wall of the east. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why. Oh, plain well. Found our man. Plain well, you take your licks, but you keep on going, girl. Mm. One day you'll get the paper factory back. (laughs) Dunder Mifflin. (laughs) So, authorities concluded that Lepsy had left voluntarily and closed their investigation, which is what they did in the 60s and 70s. Kid runs away. Uh, He wanted to go work at Mm -hmm. a dock somewhere. He's just going to the store for some smokes and a beer. I'll be back, Mom, getting some smokes. (laughs) Says the 13-year-old girl. Ah, oh, Sue Ann. It's the 70s, man. Everybody smoked. You think Sue Ann will remember to get my Colt 45? Two zigzags? <laughs> Baby, that's all I need. Two years after the Cooper hijacking, family All you members- needed was a note from your mom to buy cigarettes back then. <laughs> <laughs> or the grocer would stop you before you leave. He's like, oh, wait, for- <laughs> wait a minute. You forgot your Salem's. They come free with every purchase. <laughs> but sir, I got but a, I got but a sucker. <laughs> Hands you a cigarette. Sorry, I almost forgot my, my Winston's. That's what I came here for. So, says eight-year-old Sue Ann. <laughs> Two years after the Cooper hijacking, family members noted that Lepsy's physical features remem- resembled those in the Cooper composite drawings and asserted that Cooper's clothing was described as very similar to Lepsy's grocery store uniform. Lepsy was declared legally oh. dead in 1976. Complete with a name tag. And the clip-on tie. <laughs> I'm Bob. How can I help you? Now, John List. List was an accountant, World War II and Korean War veteran who murdered his wife, three teenage Jeez. children, and 85-year-old mother in wow. Westfield, New Jersey. Definitely wasn't me. 15 days before the Cooper hijacking. <laughs> withdrew 200000 from his mother's bank account and disappeared. 
He wow. came to the attention of the Cooper Task Force due to the timing of his disappearance, multiple matches to the hijacker's description, and the reasoning that a fugitive accused of mass murder has nothing to lose. But a, is a fugitive going to be calm enough to order two bourbon and sodas and smoke a cigarette mm. and not startle stewardesses? Again, another suspect that the... not We're not going to call it the Cooper Task Force. We're going to call it the Conspiracy mm-hmm. Therapy mm-hmm. Task Force because, God damn it, well, we'll get to our verdict. I like smoking <laughs> beer and drinking cigarettes. Indeed. In that order. After his capture in 89, List admitted to murdering his family, but denied any involvement in the Cooper hijacking. <laughs> Even though some things implicated him, McCoy, Richard Floyd McCoy, our next suspect. That's, that's a, a nice good name, name, isn't it? <laughs> I said the same thing when I was reaching him. Richard Floyd McCoy. Went on to be Dick, a beast. Dick Floyd McCoy. Yeah, Indeed. He was an army veteran who served two tours of duty in Vietnam, first as a demolition expert and later with the Green Berets as a helicopter pilot. After his military service, he became a warrant officer in the Utah National Guard and an avid recreational skydiver. Now, I like this suspect. Mm -hmm. He also had aspirations of becoming a Utah State Trooper. On April 7th, 1972, McCoy staged the best known of the so-called copycat hijackings. He boarded United Airlines Flight 855 in Denver, Colorado, and brandishing what later proved to be a paperweight resembling a hand grenade and unloaded and an unloaded handgun. He demanded four parachutes and $500,000. After delivery of the money and parachutes at San Francisco International Airport, McCoy ordered the aircraft back into the sky and bailed out over Provo, Utah, leaving behind his handwritten hijacking instructions and his fingerprints on a magazine he had been reading. How are you going to read a magazine if you're going to hijack the plane? Nope. I'd be so nervous. I'm nervous just on a plane usually. Just the magazines mm-hmm. suck in an airplane too. It's just like right. that Sky Mall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those things suck mm-hmm. balls. Mm-hmm. Get some good shit on your planes, ladies and gentlemen. Like Penthouse? It, yeah. <laughs> Do you know? You'd have all the attention. Mm-hmm. Even girl. I'm. Truth Corner. Girls want to look at a porn magazine occasionally, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. I don't see why not. I mean, there's dicks in penthouse. Look, if someone says uh, you can see so-and-so naked, you go, okay. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. They can say that 88-year-old woman, you want to see her naked? Okay. Am I bad if I say yes? (laughs) My thing is, why would they leave this stuff behind? Like, I don't know if it's because it was a different time. I don't think you're thinking like... Oh shit, I left the toilet seat up in the bathroom. I better go put that one down. Right. They're going to know. I I I I I left the the Sky Mall flipped open yep. to the uh back massagers. They're going to mm-hmm. figure out that I <laughs> they're going to figure out that I I left it to the the personal massagers as well. <laughs> oh boy. So anyway, this guy, this silly guy he was arrested on April 9th with the ransom cash in his possession, and after trial and conviction, received a 45-year sentence. Two years later, he escaped from Lewisburg, Fe- Lewisburg Federal Penitentiary with several accomplices by crashing a garbage truck through the main gate. Damn. That's hardcore. hmm Now, he was tracked down three months later in Virginia Beach. McCoy was killed in a shootout with FBI agents. This guy's a badass. Not really, though, because that's shitty. But and the same, he went into life tours of duty in mm. Vietnam, demolition expert, helicopter pilot, wanted to be a state trooper, staged a copycat hijacking, five hundred 
5K, mm-hmm. bails out, skydives, escapes from prison in a goddamn gar- garbage truck with his buddies, and then has a full-on shootout with the FBI. That's a fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Hollywood, I know you're listening. Call us. Yeah. We get the rights first. In their 1991 book, D.B. Cooper, The Real McCoy, parole officer Bernie Rhodes and former FBI agent Russell Kalame asserted that they had identified McCoy as Cooper. So they have that. Oh, there is no reasonable doubt that McCoy committed the Denver hijacking. The FBI does not consider him a suspect. Now, during the middle, we had that little rack saw thing in the news. This is 2018. Mm-hmm. So this is our wow. most... Yeah, oh, yeah. These things, like I said in, in, in the last segment, too, at the end there, these things stay open indefinitely because mm-hmm. of the fact that he's not there for them to even... Like, he's absent of existence. Mm-hmm. So and t- technically, time doesn't really necessarily play into that uh, statute of limitations, which, mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's nice that we know that we can catch these guys. I just wish it worked with, like serial pedophiles and yeah, we talked about mm-hmm. that enough in West Memphis. So anyway, rack straw or Robert Wesley rack straw. See, these names are great. Mm-hmm. It, well, he was a retired pilot and ex convict who served on an army helicopter crew and other units during the Vietnam war. He came to the attention of the Cooper task force in February of 78 after he was arrested in Iran and deported to the U S to Whoa. face explosives possession and check kiting charges. Several months later, while released on bail, Rackstraw attempted to fake his own death by radioing a false Mayday call and telling controllers that he was bailing out of a rented plane over Monterey Bay. Police later arrested him in Fullerton on an additional charge of forging federal pilot certificates. The plane he claimed to have ditched was found repainted in a nearby hangar. Cooper investigators noted his physical resemblance to Cooper. Now, in 2016, Rackstraw reemerged as a suspect in a History Channel program in a book. Which, call, which was called The Last Master Outlaw. He, uh, the author of that book filed a lawsuit to compel the FBI to release its Cooper case file under the Freedom of Information Act. The suit alleges that the FBI suspended active investigation of the Cooper case in order to undermine the theory that Rackstraw is D.B. Cooper so as to prevent embarrassment for the Bureau's failure to mm. develop evidence sufficient to pr- prosecute him for the crime. Now, as recent as January of 2018... A small cold case documentary team reported they had obtained a letter originally written in December of 71 and sent to the New York Times and Los Angeles Times, Seattle Times, and Washington Post with numerous numbers and letters written on it. The team led by Tom and Donna Colbert says the codes were deciphered and matched to three units Rackstraw was a part of while in the Army, and the FBI refused to acknowledge the findings because, quote, it would have to admit that amateur sleuths had cracked a case the Bureau could not. Look, put your pride aside. Put your yeah, exactly solve the catch, case. Catch the fucking guy, just so we can talk to him. Mm-hmm. I, I want to hear a story. Yeah, no Say, kidding. It all boils down to f- basic marriage etiquette. Say you're sorry. <laughs> admit when you're wrong, and don't go to bed angry. Mm-hmm. Smooch. I love you, wife. I love you too, husband. Just saying. Oh yeah, baby. We, we said a, they're married, so we, you gotta, we, got a, we got a Looney Tune going down on us. Bend over. Oh, it's that night. One of the flight 305 flight attendants reportedly did not find any similarities between photos of Rackstraw from the 70s and her recollection of Cooper's appearance. 
Now, I got one more Michigan native. His Ooh. name, Walter R. Rucka. <laughs> Walter Rucka. Rucka. Rucka? Walt, yeah. what, Walt Rucka? Walt Rucka. Rucka vagina. <laughs> Man, vaginas are just... Learned everything I knew from Clit Jabber. <laughs> just kidding, My great there. uncle. Taught me everything I know. He was a military veteran <laughs> and an original member of the Michigan parachute team. Oh, There's boy. a Michigan parachute team? There was. And we're not a part of it? It didn't go well. I guess not. <laughs> so, uh... We're going to stop by Mr. Burger after this, guys? <laughs> Amateur uh, skydiving. We're going to do this with no parachutes. And... <laughs> and that was the end of the Michigan Parachute Society. Anyway. Maybe we should start a militia instead. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. We're going to stop by Carl Jr. on the way home, Of buddy. course. Okay. Proposed as a suspect by his friend Carl Lauren... A former commercial airline pilot and expert parachuter himself is at a, pref- at a press conference on May 17th, 2018. Wow. This is when that was purported. Now, in 2008, Rekka, the Walt of Rekka, <laughs> confessed to being D.B. Cooper to Lauren via a recorded phone call. In July 20... 20- it- There's nothing sacred anymore. No. You're talking to your old buddy, and you're like, guess what? I got something to tell you. And the Zodiac! Then <laughs> they got to throw you under the bus. Yep. Of course, sorry guys, I'm not the Zodiac. No, mm-hmm. I was about to throw you under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I can't wait to stop talking. Wow, sorry folks, sorry. Hope I don't get that. I'm kidding. My girlfriend has it. Sorry, Ugh. babe. Rucka gave Lauren permission in a notarized letter to share his story after he passed away in 2014, aged 80. He also allowed Lauren to tape their phone conversations about the crime over a six-week period in late 2008. In over three hours of recordings, Rucka gave new details about the hijacking that the public had not heard before. He also confessed to his niece, Lisa Story. That sounds like a... (coughs) That's a real name, Lisa Story. Mm -hmm. I'm Dor Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Using his years of training to determine the location of the jump, Lauren concluded that D.B. Cooper landed near Clay Ellum, Washington. According to written testimony, Jeff Osadi Kaziaz, a Clay Ellum, Washington native, sorry, I had a little thing in my throat, was driving his dump truck near Clay Ellum the night of November 24th, 1971, when he saw a man walking down the side of the road in the inclement weather. I see a a man with a parachute dragon on the ground. (laughs) That's not usual. He assumed the man's car had broken down and was walking (laughs) to get assistance. He's a drag racer. However, he did not have room in his truck to pick him up. He continued. Well, no, where are you going to put the parachute? (laughs) The glove box? Okay. He can do it. (laughs) He continued towards destination, the Tina Way Junction Cafe. This, that sounds like a fucking yeah, pedophile makes bad, yeah. <laughs> Hey, can you give hey. me directions to the Tina Way Cafe Junction? <laughs> this, I, I hear they have yeah, a fresh pie. I hear they, yeah, <laughs> I hear they got Kool Aid and Electric Company on the TV. <laughs> Free candy. <laughs> oh, hey, as long boy. as they make fresh pots of coffee every twenty minutes, I'd go to the Tina Fey Cafe. <laughs> you guys are clearing me out today. Yeah, cup of coffee and a little humor. That's right. After ordering coffee, the man from the side of the road also entered the cafe looking like a drowned rat. According to this man, this driver, the man sat next to him and asked if he would be able to give his friend directions if he called him on the phone. 
Al-Sadi Kaz agreed to this and spoke with the man's friend, giving him directions to the cafe. Shortly after that, Al-Sadi Kaz left for the Grange Hall to play in a band. This is so great. <laughs> the Grange Hall. Every, every sentence of this has just been like, what? It's a roller coaster. I know. And then they saw a clown. The clown gave him directions to the super happy fun time all night crew. <laughs> When they got there, there was Garfield. The man offered to pay for his coffee, and the two <laughs> amicably parted. Lauren began his search for the witness after Rekka described the landscape he saw while on his way to the drop zone. Two bridges, some distinct lights, and his description of the exterior and interior of the cafe, as well as an encounter with Asad Diaz. He described this man in detail, recalling that he was wearing Western gear and had a guitar case. He dubbed him Cowboy. <laughs> I'm a cowboy! What was his name? Is that suspect? It, no, the guy wearing the cowboy outfit. Jeff Asadakaz. Asadakaz. That sounds Japanese. I think he's Hispanic or Polish. Somewhere in there. Very different. Don't ask me. I'm just from Michigan. So. My name is Doof. Howdy, partner. Howdy. Shoot I, them up, bang bang. I am. Um, you do not come in here. <laughs> I have six shooter. This is the Tina Fey Cafe. Akbar. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Nothing good ever happens if someone yells that. No, no. no. Just duck. Buttholes, souls, mm. soch themselves tight. Lauren consulted a map to find these. Per- particular landmarks and began making phone calls about the cowboy who had driven a dump truck. Warren was <laughs> from Indian <laughs> descent, we think. We, 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 we postulate. Who recalled meeting a man that night described what he was wearing and what he looked like and who confirmed his identity as Rekka after seeing a photo Lauren sent him. So they found Jeff. The wall purred. He let him know <laughs> they knew each other. They met. Maybe they shared a handy in the bathroom. Who knows? We're not judging. It's 1971, folks. Mm-hmm. And everybody okay. smokes. I think they do. All right. Last suspect, I promise. Dwayne Weber, a World War II Army veteran who served time in at least six prisons from 1945 to 68 for Jesus. burglary and forgery. He was proposed as a suspect by his widow based primarily on a deathbed confession. Three days before he died in 95, Weber told his wife, I am Dan Cooper. You imagine that I'd be like, he's dying and you're at his bed and he's like, dear, come here. But see, the thing is, he wouldn't say something like that. He would make the walls purr and mm-hmm. you'd be like, I love you. You'd be like, you'd be like, come over here closer. <laughs> Did you get my memo? <laughs> I am X, Mr. Smeridius. <laughs> Deathbed confessions with Josh. No, you know he'd be doing deathbed dad jokes. That's really like no. that's how I picture this going. And what would happen is I'd be in my final moments of life, and oh, this is gonna be good. Uh, I would look at her and be like, "I love you," and then <laughs> and then immediately start playing Kiss on my phone. Yep, that would be my last memory of him. Oh, yeah. The last, the last sound, oh, yeah. the last sound you hear when they lower the coffin in is. Uh, That's when Asher starts bawling right there. <laughs> that was my dad. The arms of an angel. 
rest in dad jokes. R.I.D. All right, let's not get too emotional here. So mm, I got a platinum and go into the afterlife. <laughs> That's the first thing he says with the pearly gates. Mm, yes, I got a platinum in life. Is this a platinum, a gold, yeah. silver? And then you get, you know what happens is you get there and they go, sorry, Josh, we only take Xbox Live achievements up here. <laughs> no! I'm in hell! It's like a penis. So this punching is battery or clit. This, this is crazy. So the guy that said he was Dan Cooper before he died, she didn't know who that name meant. But months later, a friend told her of its significance in the hijacking. She went to her local library to research, found a book that was written about it, and discovered no sh- notations in the margins in her husband's handwriting. Wow. So on top mm. of that, she then recalled in retrospect that Weber once had a nightmare during which he talked in his sleep about jumping from a plane, leaving his fingerprints on the aft stairs. He also reportedly told her that an old knee injury had been incurred by jumping out of a plane. Like the hijacker, Weber drank bourbon and chain smoked. Mm. Other circumstantial evidence included a 79 trip to Seattle on the Columbia River, during which Weber took a walk along along the riverbank in the Tina Bar area. Four months later, Brian Ingram made his ransom cash discovery in the same area. Mm. Mm. And those are our suspects. There's a little bit of extra info. Um, the aircrafts were modified in the wake of multiple copycat hijackings in 72. The FAA required that all Boeing 727 aircraft be fitted with a device later dubbed the Cooper Vane <laughs> that prevents lowering of the aft staircase during flight. Um, in late April of 2013, Earl Cossey, the owner of the skydiving school that furnished the four parachutes that were given to Cooper, was found dead in his home in Woodenville, a suburb of Seattle. His death was ruled a homicide due to blunt force trauma to the head. The perpetrator remains unknown. <laughs> Conspiracy theorists immediately began pointing out possible links to the Cooper case, but authorities responded that they have no reason to believe that any such links exist. Woodenville officials later announced that burglary was most likely the motive of the crime. Mm. Interesting story. Yep. Lots of roads to go down. This one easily could have been <laughs> no. a two to three parter. This is a long it ass is. episode. So I'm sorry. I had a lot to get out there, but it's time to satiate our tongues with a little bit of pop culture. It's time for the pop culture minute, minute Josh. Sonic, Sonic boom. boom. All right, so there is a lot of pop culture about this, so I get, I get the, I get to kind of pick and choose. That's rare, and so I'm going to start this off with a comic. Oh, really? Yes, sir. Well, how about those airplane flights? <laughs> Damn it, Charlie Brown! Snoopy was flying the plane. Woodstock needed to make a pit stop in Albuquerque. No, this is actually. <laughs> uh, actually, this is The Far Side. Oh, I love The Far Side. It, in uh, May 3rd, 1988, there was a, a quote, the untold ending of D.B. Cooper, which shows Cooper landing in the midst of a Rottweiler farm. <laughs> <laughs> I love that comic. And there was a Dilbert strip in uh, January 1791 featuring D- Dogbert showing visitors around his museum. 
where he claims an exhibit where feet are protruding from a tree stump with an umbrella and a backpack nearby are the remains of D.B. Cooper. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. In 1981, there was an adventure movie titled The Pursuit of D.B. Cooper, and it stars Treat Williams as Cooper and Robert Duvall as an insurance investigator pursuing him based on the 1980 J.D. Reed novel Free Fall. Free <laughs> Here's one Larry probably has seen. In the movie Without a Paddle, a group of three old friends, Matthew Lillard, Seth Green, and Dax Shepard, go on a camping trip to search for their treasure of D.B. Cooper to honor their recently deceased friend. They eventually find it along with the skeleton of Cooper in an abandoned mine shaft. Hmm. So let's see here. Uh, music. There's actually been a lot of people that have made music uh, about him. Todd Snyder did a song called D.B. Cooper. Chuck Brodsky. Some of these people, I have no idea who they are. Uh, Victims of Circumstance. But the biggest surprise, Mr. 1971 birthday himself, Kid Rock, references uh, Cooper's stolen money in his breakout hit, Ba With The Ba. Hmm. I just thought he was saying ba with the ba to bang bang diggy diggy the whole time. But maybe diggy, I was... diggy doobie cooper. <laughs> diggy, 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 diggy. <laughs> diggy 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 say oh I jump out of the plane. And then uh, I drop my, my money. Oh shit. <laughs> my final uh, thing here uh, in TV there's uh, the Lethal Weapon TV series. Mm-hmm. There was an episode on October 17th, 2017 uh, featuring a character named Don Cooper. A con man who robs the passengers on a private plane at gunpoint while it's airborne, then leaps out with a parachute. Hmm. Wow. And that's all I have for you. <laughs> that was informative. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I would love to know what the internet has to say. About our friend, Mr. D.B. Cooper, with our Yahoo Ansel. Yahoo! Well, I uh, decided we would go on Yahoo Answers this evening and ask uh, the internet community, is D.B. Cooper still alive? Now, just as... uh, a little bit of back history here. This question was asked on Yahoo Answers 10 years ago. Wow. Uh, over a decade ago. So back when it might have been slightly more credible that he would have been alive considering his age at the time of the heist. Yeah, 71. All, right. Yeah. Um, this anonymous user writes... Is D.B. Cooper still alive? The FBI wants you to be an amateur detective and crack the case. Good luck. They never asked that. (laughs) User Veronica wrote, no one ever found a body, but the dude was swept out or jumped of an airplane and one of the parachutes he was given was non-functional. He probably ended up dead as jumping out of a plane like that takes considerable effort and experience. No one knows for sure. There's no evidence he's alive now, though. Also, none of the marked bills given to him given to him were ever found back in circulation. 
which is not true, but whatever. <laughs> Who needs truth? Right. Uh, user Ryan Myth wrote, actually, people here saying that he couldn't survive the jump, but some of you forgot that he had a parachute. He might have been he might have been survived, but in the 70s, he was 40 years old, so probably dead by now. Mm. Uh, user JMC412792 wrote, great question. Well, no one knows. He jumped out of the plane with all of that money. Some kid found some money, but there is no sighting or body found. The Hmm. FBI thinks he died, but no one knows. I was researching him. Hmm. Uh, User Good Guy wrote, no, he survived the jump, but got hit by a bus a week later. (laughs) That would suck ass so bad. Maybe worse if he got hit by a garbage truck. Yeah. Yes. No! <laughs> well, it's funny. He probably got one bottle of bourbon that night, stayed at a motel, finger blasted to some, like, internet TV, or not internet, some TV porn. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was and all then, happy. Then I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, fiddled, fiddled again. Yep. Uh, user, am I pregnant? Wrote... <laughs> Yes. Oh boy. <laughs> no, it's girl be- or boy. I can answer that. It is believed that he died in a police standoff years ago. Of course, DB Cooper was his mm. alias. Can't remember his real name. Uh, user Everybody Loves Three Thousand wrote, "No, it is unlikely he survived the jump." User K Star wrote, "No, he broke his leg on impact and was eaten by a bear." <laughs> uh, that would suck so much. <laughs> All these are terrible like outcomes. Uh, user Christine wrote, nah, he's dead. They found a lot of the money. If you were alive, I think they would have found it at Walmart rather than a river. <laughs> exactly. Uh, my favorite answer, uh, user oh boy. Jan Blue just wrote DB equals dead body. <laughs> Good job, Yahoo Sleuths. Right. Uh, and then somebody with the username DB Cooper just wrote ahem. Cute. Very cute. <laughs> um, a few more uh, for the same question. Um, user Eugene M wrote, that guy still owes me 20 bucks. If you see him, let him know I'm still looking for him. <laughs> user Peckerhead Bill it's a friend of mine. wrote, a touch of arthritis in my ankle that I twisted badly on landing. But other than that, not bad for an old fart. Thanks for asking. Hope to see you at my annual party. Uh, user Elvars wrote, he's been dead since he jumped out of that plane. That would be really, f- I mean, it's not funny, but it is hysterical. Yeah. If that uh, makes any sense. <laughs> just just, sense, just imagine yeah. him like, and the money just scatters. <laughs> yep. Pilot's like, did you see anything? <laughs> no. We're running out of gas. We've got to turn back. Yeah. Again? Didn't you forget to fill this up? Oh, I, I thought you said get you coffee. I didn't know you wanted me to fill up the... You swingmen never fill up the tank. Nope, never do. And then... Uh, oh God, these are so weird. User Yo, It's Brianna wrote, yeah, in my cat's butt. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> D.B. Cooper climbed inside of a cat's ass. Yep, yep that figures that it. We figured it out. right. FBI, we deny that. And... <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> lastly... User God. Poor kitty. User DeBassett wrote, What breed is he? What and I, I breed? have no idea what that reference oh is. Oh my god. This is unbelievable. So folks. yeah. Thought he was a Jack Russell Terrier. Leave it to the internet to make it weird. That's been your Yahoo. Cancels. 
All right. Three dudes and a lady. It's time for a verdict. In one corner. Four podcasts is your trust with your life. Mm-hmm. Hey, and we're all sober. We can all drive you home. Uh-huh. One's a professional driver. Though. I am. Very true. I also have my chauffeur's license. Fun fact. In the other corner, a bunch of Michigan natives, war veterans, a guy with weird sunglasses, sipping bourbon in a soda, and a cat's asshole. Bend over. <laughs> we need to figure out what happened to D.B. Cooper. Who was he? Where do we think he went? Did he survive? And I'm going to go to Larry. <gasps> Reversing it. Wow. I was not expecting that. Um... I think he is a stain in a pine tree somewhere. <laughs> like a squirrel just. I think it. like he just hit trees. Body parts went flying everywhere. Animals ate him up. I should have taken more training. <laughs> oh no, this one has an anvil in it. I thought this thing was. Heavy. It really takes a long time to fall. Did you know that? Oh boy, still got a ways to go. Hmm. Did I leave the oven on? I love you, Jesus, Allah, Buddha. <laughs> and then that's it. April? Uh, yeah, I think he probably died on impact. I, I think the likelihood if he would have had a functioning parachute would have would have given him better odds, obviously. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't think um I don't think he survived. Especially because they never found any of the money in circulation. It's not like he would steal all that money just to like just to keep it. Just to look at. That doesn't make, it. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Joshua? I, I, I think he survived the the jump. The kid found some money, and if he found some of it, they probably combed the area. And if they didn't find all of it, then obviously it got, that little bit got there, and others didn't. So I do Wait, think he it? survived. Does that bear have bling? <laughs> Interesting. It's. Bear grills. Like grill. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> we got a mom joke. We got a mom joke. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, our first solid mom joke of the night. I liked it. I felt the I felt the Seinfeld. Yep. All right. I, I am if there's spending a, too much time with Josh. She also pointed to her teeth yeah. to make it even more yeah. like set in. My toes curled. I felt it. If there's any one person that I would think that it could be, it would be Robert Rackstraw. I'm looking at the composite sketch along his um, police photo, and he looks remarkably like the sketch. Awesome. Yeah, we'll we'll post some images on our Instagram. Please follow it. I'm going to say this. I think that motherfucker went splat. I think, in my opinion... The more that I researched it, I, I think that, yes, they did find some of the money. The little boy did. And God bless him. He made 37 K on it later on in his life. So he turned that into a nice little nest egg. But if anything, Bigfoot's walking around with some serious cash and he probably bought himself a lifetime supply of taquitos that he's warming up in the hot sun somewhere. Because yeah, Bigfoot's natural <laughs> diet. <laughs> Taquitos. Taquitos gas, right? gas station food. Yep. Of course. And beef jerky. And Takis. Oh, yeah. 
tornadoes, tornadoes. Oh, yeah. Mm. Quick question before we end this verdict. If you could solve any mystery like that we've covered in mm-hmm. the past oh, with, with like a magic, magic, just like decipher code, you could find out who killed John Bonet. You mm. find out if Bigfoot was real. You could find out, say, if the West Memphis Three did it. If you could, or even this case, if you had that option, what case would you want to know? I would take, I want to know, just because I want to know from him and the details would be OJ Simpson. That's a great Mm -hmm. one. Yeah. The like solid truth. Yeah. I can just admit. Will? Wasn't. Will, it was me. (laughs) (laughs) You got me. (laughs) April? Uh, I would probably do the JFK assassination. That would be... There'd be a lot of people that would mm-hmm. lose their mind. Josh? JFK, one of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lost Era, his mind all I'm, over his wife. Oh, Era, oh, that's the sad <laughs> truth of it. Oh. Arrow, I'm not coming back. <laughs> but I mean, thank you for solving my mind. I'm knee deep in pussy. Turns out we get the virgins. <laughs> Got my friend here, Clit Grabber. <laughs> Josh. Puncher. Oh, uh, a- Jabber. Man, I'm fucked that up. Josh. Uh, man. That's you're thinking of Donald Trump. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's right. right. Yeah. We got our click commanders all wrong here. <laughs> um, you know what? I think I would go because it would shit. I because of my life and my Yeah, I would I would go with I would want to find out what happened in Kurt Cobain's last few hours. Mm. That's fitting to you. If I could solve any mystery, know the outcome, I think I would definitely go with this Bigfoot. Go with where we started with. Know if it's actually real. The OG. Because the Pacific Northwest is so big, there's so much uncharted area in that area, and that's that's realistically, that's why I don't think he survived. I think if he landed in some remote area, he's... I don't even know how you how he's going to survive that inclement weather. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's fucking Thanksgiving basically mm-hmm. in 1971. I can't imagine it's very warm at night. Mm-hmm. Although so, I guess if you could prove aliens exist, that'd be pretty big. Well, that was on the spot. Maybe next time I'll ask that one. <laughs> and that's been your verdict. I guess it's time for us to get quizzical. Is it though? I think so. Now? Uh, Would you like to get quizzical three, now? Three, two, one, now. Let's get quizzical, quizzical. I want to get quizzical. Let's get into quizzical. All right, this is that truth or myth game we've been playing lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's start with this. There was once, there once was a case of twins being born 87 days apart. Mm. Josh. Josh. I'm going to say false. Mm. Mm. That's a good guess. <laughs> I'm sorry. Josh is the luck on this. Amy Jones Elliott was born prematurely in May 2012. And her sister, Katie, was born almost three months later. Wow. In Terrasol. I hate this game. <laughs> a man once faked his own death to get out of his cell phone contract. April. April. False. 
I mean, I know those cell phone two, contracts are bastards, but... 2007, Corey Taylor decided to avoid paying his $175 cancellation fee and faked a death certificate. <laughs> the company figured it out and he had to pay anyways. And they gave him a late fee. <laughs> that sucks. The a U.S. park ranger survived being struck by lightning seven times. Josh. Josh. True. That is correct. Roy Sullivan had held the world record for most times struck by lightning for decades. That's a record you want to hold. Mm-hmm. In 1923, a dead jockey won a horse race. Ryan. True. <laughs> it's just a dead body just flopping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ragdoll living in a movie. Riding okay. sweat. Sweet kiss at Belmont Park in New York. Frank Hayes had a fatal heart attack during the race, <laughs> but the horse went on to victory with its dead rider on the saddle. He's probably happy. He's like, this fucker won't kick me in the ribs. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Nothing but dead weight here. There are more ornamental plastic flamingos than real ones Ryan. in the United States. Ryan. True. That is correct. I won't even go. It doesn't oh. surprise me. Albert Einstein's brain is in a safe deposit box in New York Josh. City. Josh. False. You are correct. After death, Einstein's eyes were given to his eye doctor and they remained. It's his eyes are in a deposit box on oh. his brain. Hmm. MC squared. I don't know if people said E equals MC squared. Yeah. There you go. Men are six times more likely to be struck by lightning than women. Josh. Josh. False. Oh boy. Our dicks are we're, we're dumb. We play golf in the we fish oh, in that's the, true. That's yeah. very true. Yeah. And we're, generally speaking, taller. Taller. Just yeah. closer to the That's why when I there's a lightning, sky. I hang out with all my tall friends when there's a storm. <laughs> that's why we keep that's Ryan why, around. That's why you guys keep yeah. hugging me every time <laughs> we're out in the rain. That's why I hang out with you and Marty. Yeah. In nineteen forty two, Mississippi was terrorized by the Phantom Barber. Ryan. You said 1942? 1942. Uh, true. That's correct. The Phantom Barber cut out the hair of almost half a dozen victims, and although a man was found guilty and sent to prison, he was eventually released with a true criminal was never identified. Ooh, maybe a future episode. Did I just win? Oh, that was three. Two. That was two. So we got two. You've got two. Two. I have none. None. A former New York congressman died from shaving. Ryan. Josh. Play Ryan. I think it was Ryan. It was Ryan. He died from shaving. I didn't say he. I said a former New York congressman died from shaving. So I guess I did. Yes. Does it want to be congresswoman? Are yeah. they still congressmen? Well, you can. I guess she could be shaving her legs and like slices an artery in her thigh or something, which would be terrible. Mm. Uh, true. You win. He contracted nice. anthrax from a shaving brush. Wow. Oh Whoa. That That's escalated metal. quickly. <laughs> that's a madhouse. That is. Holy shit. And that's been your quizical. So we are going to have a quick five-star review Ooh. because... I realized that we had a five-star review. Unfortunately, I have an Android, so my co-hosts are being friendly enough to pull that up for me. But it is time. In the meantime, listen to this. Listen to this quite simply amazing drop by yours truly, Larry. Five, 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 five-star review. All right. 
This five-star review comes off iTunes from our man, or woman, Ruskig15. Calls it hilarious show! Exclamation point. Five stars, thank you. It's an overlooked and underrated podcast that should be praised a lot more. Wow! You know, I appreciate that. Yeah. Overlooked, actually, and underrated. I love where we're at. I We interact daily with our fans, and... It's nice to be able to go outdoors and not get mobbed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, not that I think we'll ever get to that that type of celebrity, but it's always fun to just, I like where we're at, but I appreciate that you feel that we should be praised more. And uh, this, you know, big shout out to you, Ruskig15. Thank you. If you'd like to shout us, or if you'd like a shout out in the future, please five stars on iTunes or like our page on Facebook and uh, mm-hmm. recommend it. Five stars on there as well. Please. We love you. That's been your shout out. Oh, boy. Wow, what a case. Mm-hmm. That This is a long episode. How long is this one, you think? Going off just numbers. Wasn't it two hours and 15 minutes? Wow. This yeah. might be our longest one yet. Cool beans. Well, that guy. It's that hard t- to tell because somebody didn't press the play button when they were recording at one point. <laughs> oh, Lawrence. True story. That guy that drives two hours that listens to us in the morning, he's going to have to listen to the rest of it on his drive home. Mm-hmm. Or while on the can. That's true. Perfect. We are the the perfect companion piece for your morning shits. Indeed. <laughs> Only if you take your shirt off. <laughs> That's right. True. Ryan Army. Anyway. Time to plug up some fucking sweet shows that we also do. Josh, where are you when you're not here? I everywhere now. Yeah. Right. Uh, Well, April and I do a music history podcast called Off Tempo, and you can find that every Tuesday morning on Facebook, Twitter, and Podbean. And I've been writing game reviews for three different publications right now. So far, I have Game Pit, um, (laughs) Square XO, and Demon Gaming. Uh, if you follow me on Facebook, you can see I post all the articles I write on there. Cool. April? Well, of course, if you like me and if you like Josh and if you like Larry, you should come mm-hmm. check us out on the Potty Slam podcast. We're a wrestling history podcast mm-hmm. where we tell stories from the locker room and beyond. Uh, if you'd like to check us out, we are out with brand new episodes every Friday morning on Facebook and Twitter and Potomatic. And you can catch me at if you like baseball history. If you like this show, check us out at Conspiracy T Show is what our handle is on Twitter. At us, if you want to tell us a story, tell us about how you're enjoying your October and your fall. Sliding, our, it's sliding it into our DMs. Mm. Yeah. I need a good DM slide. Mm. There you go. There you go. Also, like our Facebook page and join the closed group. That's where the action is. That's where John be posting some mean memes. And and Brian, I should mention him too because he's had some zingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, also, please five stars on iTunes. It really helps get our numbers out there and and people like into the show. If you feel like you you know want to help us out that way, shop.spreadshirt.com slash conspiracy therapy podcast to get some sweet swag. Also, we're on Spotify, which I think occasionally is good to mention because we seem to get a lot of listeners on Spotify. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Tell two friends. Yeah. Tell man, tell a group of friends. Be like, look, bitches, you got a UFO shirt on. 
you look like Sasquatch and you're basically an alien small person. So not saying anything bad about small people. Great. Not this again. They got no reason to live. (laughs) No, small people have every reason to live. I'm saying you're a short person who looks. Here's a shovel, uh, Ryan. (laughs) Good Lord. I'm sorry. (sighs) Okay. So please um, just suggest. That's all. That's all I get to say. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things going on. We got the drunk tacular Saturday, October 20th. Please check out twitch.tv slash Bobo may. That's where we're going to be doing our quiplash sesh after we do our episode, Mm -hmm. which is looking like it's going to be pretty creepy. And like I've said before, you do not have to buy any game. You don't have to do anything except go to the website, we say, and put the password in. All you need is a phone or a tablet, and you can play along with us. And we'll have a webcam or the PS4 camera going, so you'll be able to see all of our beautiful mugs. And Mm -hmm. like I said, this is going to be the first day in like 18 days or a lot of days that I'll have be drinking again. Sounds like it. Yeah, I know. It sounds like I've been dr- even Josh checked my Arizona can earlier because he was like, "Wait a minute." <laughs> he still sounds the same. Yeah, I know. I do. I always sound the same for the most part. <laughs> and I think that's about it. Did I mention everything? Instagram, like us, mm-hmm. do that, do this, do grinder. the other thing. Grinder. We on Grinder? Why not? Why not? We got no- hey, nothing but love for everyone. Leave a voicemail one nine three seven five zero four nine five zero four. I think maybe we should open that up for the drunk tacular. People can call. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure. Can you repeat recording? that one more time? 937. That's the area code. 504 9504. You can leave us a voicemail. We can play it on the show. And, you know, anything that you want to say, even if you just want to say, hey, I love the show. I'm drunk. Click. That's fine. <laughs> we just want to hear from you guys because you guys are awesome and we have a great time with you. So, anybody have anything else they want to say before we close this bad bear out? I was spraying her in the mouth. Sometimes it's too salty. <laughs> wow, that almost <laughs> yeah, you did. That tells. Oh wow, that tells a story yeah. right there. We haven't se- milk duds. Were you having <laughs> sex with a frog? That's what that sounds like. <laughs> yeah, if you play that Kermit the Frog specifically. Mm-hmm. Nolan Ryan. Nolan, who the fuck Nolan Ryland, Casimimi. It's Nolan Ryland. Nolan Ryland. Is that Nolan Ryan's like half cousin, half, half cocked cousin? Yeah. Half cocked cousin. Yeah. Duvall's I was a decent really catcher. Fun. I believe that. Mm-hmm. In baseball, Aqua. No dirty minds here, folks. <laughs> Guys, we love you. We'll see you next week. Have a happy Halloween time. I get up. Nothing gets me down You got it tough I seen the toughest around And I know Baby, just how you feel You got to roll with the punches And get to what's real Yeah.
This has been a presentation of Beer City Media. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>